0: I'm saying that like Howard Finkel, you see. A new ah. series on BBG Wrestling. This is Video 1990s It's a very tasteless title, but it's fine. It's topical. It's topical. It's topical
1: yeah, it's on trend.
0: <laughs> Unlike the subjects that we're talking about, it's very topical. <laughs> Now, um, this kind of came about because of uh, a lovely listener who got in touch with us, who inexplicably wanted us to review Invasion of the Body Slammers. And I was like, what? Yeah, madman. Why do you want us to talk about Kamala Boland? And then we thought, wait a minute.
1: It's exactly what we want to do. <laughs> it's the only <laughs> reason why we're on a com-
0: podcast. That's our conversations generally, to be fair. So yes, I am Pablo and with me is the one and only Foxy. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm I'm wonderful. Um I'm very Mary,
1: ex- you're happy and merry. I'm
0: happy and merry. Um we kind of we got together on uh this weekend uh or last weekend to watch Smack and Wackham, which is the first video that we're gonna be reviewing. Um we're gonna get into the the facts and figures. We're gonna get into all
1: <laughs> the facts and figures of Smack and <laughs> <laughs> the, fact, the factual statistical analysis of smack, smack. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. To,
0: Because we have, like, I have an extensive quality in video collection. Um, and I've got to get into this as well, because I think it's worth telling that I would get videos for Christmas as a kid because that was the only place like the only time you would have given oh oh for your birthday or something like that because there wasn't really a car boot sale or there wasn't a second hand shop or anything like that car boot sales would be once in a blue moon because why would you want to go every week and you know because it's going to be the same old stuff and then near where i live uh, i live in gated and they have an indoor market and then just one week my mum rung me and she was like right so there's a new video shop open and they've got uh, all of these titles and i i nearly died with excitement that all these videos were on the cheap they were all secondhand they were all three three pound fifty each to the point where i still have videos with the original gated indoor market stickers not only saying the price but with stickers with my mum's name on them because he put them away for her because i was like right can you get him to put 40 videos away <laughs>
1: you know and is valuable than the actual videos now well,
0: there you go so yeah it was free 50 a video it didn't matter what it was and i think i that that shop was more responsible for me expanding my video collection yeah. um and came across some rarities as well like uh, confirmed hits and yeah. the Slammy awards video and the sunny video and all those like 96 97 videos when it was the end of coliseum video um that place more than anywhere else on a weekly bit some just happy days just getting a new video every week of matches you've never seen before and just yeah it was like an event every single week
1: so before like what we get into it what was your first um, colosseum stroke silver vision home video what was the first one that you remember getting ever
0: i, I 100% remember the first uh, video that i got it was mega matches um Sweet. Yeah, uh, my first memory was uh, the Earthquake-Tito Santana match. And I remember Earthquake running across the ropes back and forth, doing his jump. And the, uh, it was Mel Phillips, the ring announcer, having to jump out of the ring because he was so scared. And, um, yeah, no, I remember the uh, lifestyles of the rich and famous with Macho King. And, and still to this day, I still love the Madison Square Garden match. I think it was from January, February 91. And it was um, Savage against Warrior and uh sherry i I believe because it's been a little while she gets her skirt ripped off because she's hanging on the cage and it's the you know the the spot that they would normally do and then the nasties get involved and for some reason brother love was on commentary which i found a little bit weird but um that was my first one i remember the second one as well and it was hulkamania forever and um the 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 video promo that they did that they showed on tv but they put it on this when earthquake knocked hogan out of commission and they did this like Rocky, inspirational Hogan's coming back video, but the spliced up with clips of earthquake squashing Hogan on the Brother Love show. Yeah, those those were my first two videos. So, like, sorry, I know I'm it's talking like loads here. So, what what about all right. your first uh, videos?
1: My first ever video was the Best of Saturday Night's Man Event, and that was bought for me by my lovely late uncle Joe, who got me that. My first match I remember from that was the rockers versus the Busters mm. off that video which was incredible like the first, it was one of the, it was possibly arguably I would seen sort of snippets that I can't really remember that much about what I'd seen on I believe it was like all american wrestling I think that was the first show I ever saw of WWF we had a dodgy uh, satellite <laughs> dish that was picking up mental german channels and american <laughs> channels and stuff and yeah. my dad bought it off like a block down the working man's club kind of thing it was like the size of the back of his car just this giant mental satellite dish, you can Im- you can admit this now you know what i mean i don't oh, think I? It... No, yeah, uh, yeah hopefully <laughs> past i don't know lawful <laughs> legal issues <laughs> um, but it was great like you know every other channel was like distorted static but then you eventually found a channel that was it was like almost like tuning in a vhs funnily enough try, <laughs> like, try <laughs> a tracking sort of bar um but it was there was a channel that was used to show that anyway and it was definitely all American wrestling. So I remember the the theme tune, you know do. Was that All American Wrestling? I think it was. Oh, yeah. well, the thing yeah, is they that. had
0: they had that for a lot longer than I thought as Because my first oh, yeah, man. the first episode of All American I ever saw was in ninety-four, which sort right. late on.
1: Is it? I and think it was, for me it was it must have been ninety it must have been '90, surely. That's crazy, isn't it? Like,
0: they kept that theme for a long time then because when I was watching it, Vince was the host and this was specifically for the UK audience and in America, I believe at that point, it was Gorilla Monsoon and Johnny Polo, which is, like, just crazy to think of. The last host of All-American... Um, were Todd Pettengill and Teddy BRC. And Pettengill said on our interview that we did, which is in the archives on BBG, that he was like the most fun person to work with, DBRC. Apparently he had more fun with DBRC than
1: anyone else. But, I can yeah. imagine to be fair. I mean, I mean that that was the thing. So, I mean, I was watching that as a kid. And obviously, you know, Hogan was one of the first things I ever saw related to us. And I was just, oh my Lord. And then that was, I was hooked, you know. I used to watch it in my mum and dad's bedroom on their poxy little sort of like 13 inch (laughs) TV whilst wrestling pillows on the bed. That that was like, I remember it very, very vividly. Um, But I can't remember anything specific about that happened from watching All American, but I do remember. at some point within that year of watching it, it got to Christmas that year, and I got I got um, Best of Saturday Night's Main event of my Uncle Joe. But yeah, so the first match I properly remember ever seeing, the first match that I've got a, a memory of watching the full thing and knowing what happened, was the Rockers versus the Brain Busters. Oh. And then the next thing I remember watching after that was uh it was the roundup of the, the 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 it was the sort of package of the building up to the feud of um boss man and hogan
0: yeah and it
1: was showing you how much of a bully boss man is and it was him kicking lumps out of jim powers and choking <laughs> him <into the laughs> rope with his nightstick yeah. and i think i've spoken about this in in sort of passion before about my love for how well jim powers was selling that choke because he was spitting and frothing at the mouth and everything and that was my second memory of wrestling as a whole, and I was about six, if that. And that stuck with me a man being choked out by a policeman. <laughs> Topic, topical, as we said, it's pretty, it's pretty topical, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but honestly, man, unbelievable. I, I, that, that still stays with me to this day that, 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 as that you, video, as you and this,
0: I love it, love it. Yeah, as you can tell, this, is good. this makes me happy just being nostalgic and talking about this stuff. Like, you know, this is the perfect podcast for me, basically. Um, well, here's
1: an agreement now, then. We'll we'll go back and part of this review segment, we'll go back and fondly we'll re- review our first two favourite videos as well in the upcoming <laughs> weeks. Think- I'm okay with that. The, yeah. the thing is, before we get into Smack
0: and Whackham, it's kind of, it. it's odd that, well, not odd, but it's kind of like different that saturday night the saturday night main event video was your first video because that was the first run of wbf videos in the uk and that was before they started doing down, down. so that isn't at yes. the start of that because those videos had the red and white stripes on the front and those That's were right. like High flyers and Great steel cage matches, which were like two of also two of my first videos as well. I watched them until the
1: greatest hits in that
0: greatest hits. The, yeah. the
1: WrestleMania's bulldogs greatest matches, matches. bulldogs,
0: which I believe I could now don't write me letters on this, but I believe the bulldogs video was the first to hit the UK. I could be wrong on that. I think
1: you might. It makes sense.
0: Yeah, because um, the thing yeah, is though, in America they had already done WWF best of one to. 16 or something at that point
1: we oh, got in go- america they were, they were on wrestlemania yeah. 72 in america
0: <laughs> well they got like the best of bruno piper beefcake duggan demolition yeah everyone we didn't get any of those and no. they seemed like such i mean the network has them all now which is brilliant but they seem like almost like an impossible dream to get those videos back then like before ebay and stuff like that but we yeah. weren't at all not spoiled for choice, especially sure. in the early 90s when there was already a big lump of them had already come out. So, um, yeah, no, yeah. Gr- great stuff. This is, I'm excited about this. So, smack and whack em. Oh. now. Smackin' Whackin' was, um, that was, uh, Gates and Mark, it's finest, um, (laughs) I've got it in my hands now, the original tape that I got, I must have got this probably around about 1998, because the video shop, as I recall, opened probably about 95, 96, and, at that point i wasn't like not that i had the money and not that my mum would have spent like 15 quid on a video every single week you know but like i probably got this maybe about like 96 97 something like that and um i got into wrestling christmas 92 so this is like perfect time period for me so yeah so when did you, do you remember seeing smack and for the first time
1: Yes, I do. It was actually in my teenagers. It was a it was one of those videos that kind of passed me by, and that I'd never seen. I'd heard of it, but never really thought much of it. Um, it was when I started knocking around with a good friend of mine, Davey, who we were both like about I don't know. I was about fourteen or something like that. He was sixteen. And it was just a sort of humorous stuff that he still had that in his video collection. When neither of us at that point in time were actually watching wrestling, um, but it was like I'd met him, and he wasn't a wrestling fan as such, but he had it in his like you know in his bookshelf. And then we just had a laugh about it. And then from there, uh, that's where that misremembering of a quote that I keep talking about comes <laughs> into play because he said it to me and I thought that's associated to that video. And then ever since then, I've always assumed it was in that video. And then lo and behold, when I watch it recently again, it isn't. <laughs> and it's a comment that literally just says, it's talking about the razor's edge. Right. And hopefully if, if any of our listeners can remember which video this is from, please do write in and let us know. Um, we, I've always had this quote in my head and associated it with Smack and Whack and in the Razor match versus Taker, which we'll get onto. And the quote is, well, when you're up there, there's only one way down and it's boom, lights out. And I don't know why, I've always thought that that was in this. But then when I realized it was, you know, when the penny dropped, it's like, oh, he's against the Undertaker. There's no way he's getting the Undertaker up for, for a Razor's edge for the finale of a match does he have another match on this video? And I assumed he did, and he doesn't, and I I forgot all about it anyway. So going back to watch Smack and Whackham with yourself the other day is the Mm -hmm. first time I've watched this since I was about 14 or so. So we're talking a good, you know, 22, 23 years (laughs) ago or so. Well, some
0: some notes about the video, which kind of surprised me, that in America, Smack and Wackum. I mean, I remember there is an episode of Monday Night Raw where Vince is like, so, you know, buy the new Coliseum video release, Smack and Wackum." and they didn't show clips of matches, they showed the Bushwhackers DIY segments, which yeah. I don't think would have sold anyone on the video. Well,
1: um, well, we'll get bar- into that very shortly. Because, I mean, bear yeah. in mind.
0: Yeah, bear in mind the first WF ladder is on here and the first and the world title changes on here, but this sold on the Bushwhackers doing some plumbing, you know. So like the this came out in America on the twenty third of April nineteen ninety three. So I'm i I'm assuming that it came out in the UK not long after that. But this to me I can understand why it was released in ninety three, but everything on here screams nineteen ninety two,
1: late ninety two. Does definitely um, Alfred yeah. has been a knob for one. Um, <laughs> now we love Alfred, the weird little Cretin. But we he's oh man, he, he pisses me off straight away within the first segment of the video, he's he ruins it for me. And I do love him. I'm I'm you know, I'm just I'm picking I'm almost picking on a friend. <laughs> That's how it feels. Um a weird <laughs> uncle. It's like yeah. honestly, right. The first thing one of the first things he says in this video as he enters it is a we're going to be featuring Bret Hart winning the championship from Ric Flair. Why are you telling me that you're going to be featuring? <laughs> like, you, you then acknowledge that it's never been seen before. So not only have I definitely not, like the first time of watching it, not only have I definitely not seen it before, you've also ruined the finish for me. If I, yeah. You know what I mean? When you think about you're watching this at a time when, in the UK specifically, you don't necessarily have the, the all the ways to watch wrestling that we do now. This might be a way for us to soak up knowledge in actual what's happening in the world of wrestling back then. You know, I know for I for one, there was a period of time where we didn't have that sketchy satellite dish, where I was literally, <laughs> you know, my only source of wrestling was by watching these coliseum home videos or Silver Vision distribution that we got over here. Yeah, that, that's that's it, and they were out, of, they were out of date, out of time. But so what? That's how I soaked up the information. That's how I was. That's how I got my wrestling fix. And for him to spoil it <laughs> in the first ten seconds, like, you, what a twat! Really, like, yeah. But
0: well, and, it,
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's one of them. Pa- Sorry, go for it. No, no, just, just he did it. He's, he's, one of them. It's never been seen before. <laughs> but We're going to show feature Bret Hart winning the championship from Ric Flair, and then also Yokozuna will show you how he cooks and how he eats food. It's like right. Those two things don't really go together that well when you're trying to sell me something, although in later life, it definitely does. But at the time, and then not only that, he's lied, because we'll get into it, but Yokozuna doesn't cook any food whatsoever. Mm -hmm. In fact, we've later learned that not only does he not cook it, not only does the restaurant not cook it (laughs) for him, it's pre-cooked before that. Hmm. I mean, to be honest, though, that's
0: not the biggest four par, I would say, because there's
1: there's, there's many, there's many.
0: (laughs) Well, let's go into the uh, what's interesting, I find, about the um, the American cover compared to the British cover is that the British cover includes the picture of Brett and Michaels from the ladder match, which is advertised on the video, uh, which is shown on the video. Whereas the American cover has a shot of Brett against Michaels, but Brett's wearing different ring gear, and this is not the latter match, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, For some reason, they decided to show that. And on the back of the video, now, I haven't... I'll be honest, I've not seen the American version. We watched the network version, which... I'm assuming is the American version, and it did not have this match either. On the British video, it advertises a match against with Bret Hart against Yokozuna. Now that match is not on any version of Smack and Wackum that I have seen, um yeah. and that is definitely a faux pas on the part of uh, on the part of colour scene video. Um, but the other matches are Ric Flair important, Shawn Michaels first ladder match, brilliant then
1: Kamala. <laughs> it's just like, why? <laughs> like, you know, I, I misremembered how Bret Hart conducted that interview uh, with Monsoon, which again, we'll get into at the time when we get to it. But there's one point where he starts referencing like the match with Kamala. He starts talking about the match with Kamala. and But he, he does it in a way which he's talking to and you know that Kamala. He's like, you know, he's talking about Kamala but the way he puts it across is as if it's it's as if he's talking to Kamala down the screen, right? And you know, wrestlers do this all the time. And, say, and, you know, and Hulk Hogan, I'll be coming for you. You know, they're referencing the person who they're talking about. And they're going after them. And I always thought it's a bit of a waste of time sort of telling Kamala what you're going to do to him and the excellence of execution. Because it was only last week on the previous release where he didn't understand what a ball was when he went <laughs> bowling with Slick. He doesn't understand what the ball is.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, funnily
1: enough, in his match with on here, he understands how to coax him into uh, um, a snide test of strength where you know the whole thing where they put one arm up and one behind the back and they look at the crowd saying shush man no don't tell them you know Kamala was doing that and I thought you, you've got, you got the psychology the pennies dropped pretty quickly for Kamala because again last week he didn't know what a ball was a ball oh <laughs> Ball, right. Well, the thing is, as well,
0: that it, it's kind of weird in terms of like the the timeline here, because when Kamala didn't know what a ball was, he was already faced but during this match, he was still <laughs> a heel. So, like, I I don't know what's going on. If you if you bought these videos in order, life doesn't make any sense. Like, Kamala just,
1: Kamala got stupider. <laughs> as he as he, as he became a fan favorite. Is, is that what it was? He just got stupider and stupider to the point he became so endearing they just turned him. Well, he
0: didn't... He, he tried to become a human, and then he didn't know things... <laughs> he was always a human. It's, well, not
1: like yeah. he, it's not like he was Robocop. Like, like <laughs> part human, part cannibal. He was a human. It was just that... <laughs> he was taken advantage of by yeah. the oppressive South African militant... I don't know what the hell he was. What was he it was He was... MG. He was like a. Well, Why was he, he, called? he called Kimchi? Kimchi is like a sort of like a pickle, the type of food. Like it's a pickle. Yeah. From,
0: like, well, he was originally and, called. He was originally called Friday, and Friday, a man Friday, is there to help you, isn't he? So, right. like, I think Kimchi was there to help and translate for him, even though you never heard him speak. And yeah, Harvey, he was, was
1: portrayed. He was more like somebody who used to herd elephants up before he hunted them. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? He was like, he was like a hunter. That's how he was dressed. That's who was portrayed. He looked like somebody he looked like a British colonial hunter who went out to shoot <laughs> bloody rhinos. But instead he was like he was sort of like keep trying to whip Kim and um, Bloody Kamala into place and Oh, there's all there's all sorts of weird racial stereotype shit. Oh, we could we could go forever it. with the so racial shows. We know what it was, we know what it is. It's 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 all over the place in nineteen ninety three. So.
0: Right. Okay. So, and I feel like we should kind of get these out of the way because there's so many of them, but we start with Lord Alfred Hayes and he's in a, he's in a kind of a DOS house basically. And he's just like, well, you may may be wondering what I'm doing here. And, uh, you know, what I'm doing here is, well, I'm going to have some help to turn this place into a palace. And the help that I'm going to get, of course, is the Bushwhackers. And I'm just like, uh, like even back then. Because the Bushwhackers took part in so many of these Coliseum video things, having them shout at you constantly for like, and there's no, there's no dynamics here. They are just literally shouting at you.
1: It was off the cuff as well. It was definitely <laughs> off the cuff. Cause uh, honestly, there, were, there was a few things. I mean, when you look at the Bushwhackers, right. Mm-hmm. It's my opinion, right. When you look at the Bushwhackers, because Butch is Larry and more kind of in your face and shouty, you just you automatically see him as the sort of the leader, if you know what I mean, because he's like I do anyway. I always see Butcher's more sort of the front of the, of the, of the duo oh, because how he's, because he's more shouty and he's more like sort of in your face. He's the one who's trying to sort of he's the one who at least can string a sentence together out of the two of them, even though it might be bollocks. He can still string a sentence together, Luke. Right? Anything like this really epitomizes Luke. Read the focal point is watch Luke. Luke looks like. (laughs) Luke looks like. He's going through every emotion that a dog has, but at the same time. (laughs) Like, he just. He doesn't understand. Like, every. He looks confused and sad and happy and elated all at the same time, but. In a dog's perspective, like just a really stupid, <laughs> and I love them. man. I'm, I'm taking the piss because that's their characters. Do you know what I mean? I get it. That's, that's that's what they're meant to be. I'm not like laughing at them. I'm laughing with them. But yeah. it's, it's... <laughs> no, you can laugh at them. It's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. I mean, the portraying those characters. That's that's the purpose of it. But Luke, yeah, like he's he's nuts, man. <laughs> He's off his rocker. There was at one point. There was a brilliant point. I'm trying to remember the, the way he said it now. Oh, what was it again? Oh man, I'm trying to remember exactly his words for it. But it was it was so good. He said um, along the lines of um, he was trying to measure something with a tape measure, and Butch was measuring it as well. And the only just between them worked out if you subtract four from 12, it comes to eight basically, right? <laughs> like it took a while, but then did you do another tape measuring and it's bigger numbers, basically. And, and I think they were meant to get it correct, but cause it was off the cuff. They, they get it wrong and they realize they've got the, um, the sum wrong. <laughs> But because it's off the cuff, they try and cover it, and they're just on the fly. And then Luke tries to cover it by saying, all you kids at home, got to gotta know your multiple And he says multiple but then he realizes he gets that word wrong as well. And then he tries to change the subject really quickly, but then Butch jumps in and says, yeah, you got to know how, ad. <laughs> you got to know how, ad. And that, that, that That one back and forth, that one conversation epitomises everything you need to know about the
0: bushwhackers. Well, the thing is, during (laughs) the whole during the whole video, I mean, there's probably about five segments of this. Like, there's sort of there's there's a bit where they knock they use a sledgehammer to knock a hole through the wall there's a bit where they um, electrocute Alfred Hayes, there's a bit where they get water all over them, there's a bit where and then at the end, because I mean we're going to do these all in one go before we get into the actual matches because yeah. we will actually talk about wrestling at some point during this, um, <laughs> there's a bit where they're like, oh we know we've uh, messed you about all day and all that so we're going to bring the telly in and you can watch your favourite WWF Coliseum videos and Alfred uh, Alfred Hayes is an idiot the amount of times he's done stuff for the Bushwhackers and then he's like, oh I know you've ruined me life and electrocuted me and nearly made me dead and stuff like that, but uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll forgive you, and then you can make, you know, I'll watch some Coliseum videos, so they plug in the TV, and the video basically ends with the house exploding, I guess, because you don't
1: see it, <laughs> but, um, it's, one not thing like an it's not like he's even got an excuse for not knowing who the bushwhackers are, he works with them on a daily basis, right, and then they turn up to the home improvement, like, you'd, you'd be like, nah, fuck this, like, I'm out of here, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't think, alright, well, we'll see how it goes then, <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then, as they start torturing him, accidentally by soaking him in water, and the issues with blowing him up, for example, mm-hmm. he still doesn't like. He still doesn't get it, well, and this it, yeah, it's a, it's a great dynamic. To be fair, like uh-huh. him and them as a kid, that was brilliant. As I mean... an adult, it's infuriating. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> infuriating but there's certain ring wear well that's the thing there's it's infuriating but because of the amount of segments that they on how long they go on for but at the same time the fact that they're just making it up as they go along and you can tell that they probably kept going until they knew it was the end. So they probably started swearing just to get the edit. You know what I mean? Like it's wrestle
1: crap at its greatest. It's the it's the weirdest thing that it's so intertwined with the likes of uh, Bret Hart versus Ric Flair for the World Title, uh-huh. Bret Hart versus versus HBK for the IC belt and ladder match. It's mm. it's the fact that it's intertwined with things like that. Oh, he's the Bushwhackers <laughs> fucking up a wall with Alfred Hayes and the electrocutum. Oh, and he's a five star match. Oh, and yeah. um it's just weird. Like the whole you know, it would make sense if it was all kind of, you know, um mid-card jobbery, interesting sort of, you know, world's weirdest gimmicks kind of you know, video presentation. Mm. But it's not. It's like really incredibly good quality wrestler matches um at the highest peak of WWF at the time. <laughs> and <laughs> Intertwined with Alfred Hayes being electrocuted and shit like that by the bushwhackers. It's it's uh, it's it's an interesting way to create a video. I found it very confusing. Um, what is it a comedy or is it serious?
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> is it just two mentally handicapped people just being allowed to? Well,
1: do... <laughs> it's it's. I mean. Uh, oh, all you know,
0: right. Anyway, way. right. So the thing I, what I find unique about this video right this comes late 92 early 93 so the fact they probably had to leave off a lot of matches that they may have planned to put on this video because early 92 to oh sorry say survivor season 92 to wrestlemania 9 so many names were gone by this point you know berserker wasn't even on tv by the time the video came out and it was just kind of there was a lot of um changes and kind of really a big like a different movement once brett hart won the title and everything like that and a lot of newcomers coming in a lot of the established names leaving i mean we're talking about this during um our sticker album review on the grapple arcade channel on youtube as well that there are two different sticker albums that came out at the same time but this just minutely enough up far apart to the point where bulldog can't be in the other one you know what I mean, but Bob yeah, yeah. is and Bam Bam Bigelow is, and people like that. So, I find this period talking
1: almost like weeks, like it, it shows yeah. you almost as if there's like a lack of communication or something between the distributors. <laughs> and it's you'd never believe it, you know. But, um, it, so it get... was an interesting time. And as you say, there, we mentioned B- Berserker, and I think mean, that's is that our first match, Crush versus that's Berserker? First, is that,
0: the... that is our first match, Crush against the Berserker. From Iowa, Pennsylvania, November 1992. Crush against
1: the Berserker. There End you go. November. It's an interesting one. Uh, Alfred Hayes straight away sets the scene by saying, "One of my favourite wrestlers, Berserker." <laughs> 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 right.
0: Yeah. Lovely,
1: Alfred. Well done. Lovely input. Um, <laughs> also, when during Crush's intro, you've got to love it, right? The the the, the commentary. It's one of the things that we're going to focus on quite a lot, I imagine, over this whole run of Coliseum video stuff. Yeah. Um, the dynamics between the commentators, remembering that it's a post-overdubbed commentary yeah. uh, for the vast, vast majority of the matches that we're going to be covering, if not all of them, it's its brilliant at the best of times because it's generally utter shite, but beautiful shite. It's just brilliant. So for, this, for the vast majority of these matches, bar one, I think, we've got the duo of Gorilla Monsoon and Lord Alfred Hayes. Um, so yeah, Alfred straight in there with one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, the berserker. And then, <laughs> then Gorilla, how'd you get that big? And then they both agree it's because of pineapples when talking about Crush. So Crush is massive because of all the pineapples he eats. Um, and one, one of the best pieces of commentary to take away from this mm-hmm. is that uh, when Gorilla says, what a nice young man this is. Maybe too nice. (laughs) Uh, uh, Alfred's retort is quite honestly, I think you could do without that smile. (laughs) It's like, like he's a face, right? (laughs) They're trying to push him as this like really interesting, big, massive, really colorful, vibrant face that we all remember as Hawaiian, you know, corner crush. We loved him as kids. We still do. He had a monstrous, brilliant guitar riff to intro him. He was, a, he was about 6'6. Six, six. He was mint. And you couldn't help as a kid thinking, this is going to be one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. He was for everybody who watched him at the time. He was mint as a face. Everybody mm-hmm. looked, regardless of anything else. I agree. And the fact that <laughs> Gorilla, what a nice young man this is. Maybe too nice. And then Alfred, quite honestly, I think he could do without smiling. <laughs> <laughs> What, what, do you want to turn him heel? Like, what you want? To, and then they go on for about ten minutes about how he could be more more aggressive, and then, lo and behold, he does turn aggressive during the match and gets a win. Um, but it's what, what a weird kind of thing to say about somebody who they're pushing as a big upper mid face. I don't think big, I don't anyone know. above
0: them in the pecking order of WWF listened to that commentary. <laughs> yeah. Um, You know what I mean? You didn't
1: have Vince shouting down, what the fuck are you saying?
0: Well, the thing is as well, I mean, when we watched it... Stop burying our
1: best face.
0: The match probably went about maybe six minutes long. It felt a bit longer. And don't get me wrong, I'm not slanging it off because I love that time period, but it felt a bit longer than it did. Partly because of the commentary, I've got to say. And they did not call a move until about five minutes into it. Honestly, they
1: don't. They're right. They, They don't. They're not watching it. They just happen a bit of crack about anything that isn't the wrestling match. I mean, you can say that about a lot of wrestling um, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, when, when they go off on tangents, but this is just... They almost sound bored. Like, they just start talking about the weather and shit. You know what I mean? I like, just... it's The match is going on. There was at one point where um Crush did a really big shoulder barge stroke, clothesline kind of move quite early on to Berserker, knocked him out. He went over the top rope and fell on his ass, And the crowd popped. Nothing... From Gabriella and Alfred, not not even <laughs> <laughs> not even a nod to it, nothing. Just kept talking about pineapples and shit. Like just like and the thing others. is as well, the
0: crowd, I mean one thing about these Coliseum videos, unlike the Saturday night main events or the superstars or whatever, they don't sweeten up the crowds at all. Um so the crowds are kind of quiet, but you think they're not into it. But once crush gets the advantage and eventually wins the match, the crowd are into it. They are up for crush. Basically. That's a
1: legitimate. That's legitimate yeah. interest. You know. That's what's. That's why you know that he was worth his salt in terms of what they could have done with him. I still think to this day they missed a massive boat with Crush. I really do. He was limited to an extent the way he could talk. Um, he did have that interesting thing when he was ever, like the thing is they say he didn't have any intensity. That the way they they focused on that in that particular match. You look at any action figure of Crush and every single action figure, is snarling his face off, he looks very angry. If you look yeah. at any of his promos, he's like, he's, he's got, he's, he's the epitome of bipolar promo. Like, he'll be <laughs> like, hey, I'm Crush, and I grew up in Hawaii, and I'm going to destroy you! It was like proper <laughs> night and day. Like, all of a sudden, you just flicked a switch. Mm. And it was just like, if you go, it's by- <laughs> fantastic in it! Uh, and, and, hey, hebra I'm gonna kill you <laughs> like out of nowhere, halfway through, complimenting somebody. It was brilliant. But um that that's the thing with Crush. I, I think a bit of a, a boat was missed with him. And I've always found it interesting with Berserker. we might as well get into the character crack because mm-hmm. Berserker, like I really actually did quite enjoy Berserker as a concert. Like I always remember watching him and thinking, Oh, it's gonna whoever's whoever Berserker's is gonna be fighting, wrestling Obviously, when I was a kid, whichever jobbers, because I was only really watching Berserker versus Jobbers uh, for the vast majority of early childhood. He wasn't any big, massive feuds as such, really. Like, he was in a couple, but you know. Um, but he, it was like, who's he going to, apart from the sword incident with, you know, apart from that, like, he wasn't really doing very much. He was always against jobbers. He took them over the top rope and then he'd get them for a count out, and that was pretty yeah. much it with him. And shouting a huss all the time. He looked like a big, scary, like maniac, and to be fair, he was probably. Um, I know, uh, I know it was Big John Nord, but I think he was probably molded quite a lot of, of Brody with his appearance and his oh, hair and his beard, everything. Million
0: percent. I mean, the and,
1: the there were a couple of wrestlers
0: like that in WWF after, or even before Brody passed away, like early Hercules. Yeah. Um. You know, stamping on the mat and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, directly taken from Brody. I think John Nord would be the first to tell you that to be honest
1: yeah and then, then then you had a couple of rip-offs from berserker as well with jacob and eli blue <laughs> like,
0: pretty i, I used my berserker figure as both G- jacob and eli blue when playing with them yeah
1: Brilliant. yeah but um yeah i think it was a great i think it was um it, it was what it was it was a it was a you know two big lads slapping each other about berserker kind of had the upper hand during that match um there was that one big delayed pile driver as well where he proper spiked yeah. Crush. Yeah. Where, it, where it was like Crush's head was like a good couple of inches, two or three inches lower than where you'd normally expect somebody's head to be resting for a pile driver. It was low down. It was Austin versus Owen level low down. Yeah. And he landed on his head, man. Like you could see, he visibly hit his head. You know, his leg, like, Berserker's leg took some of the blow, but. Crush's head hit that and there was a time when, when crush rolled out and berserker you know let him let him go following the power driver like i watched it and i was thinking oh man like was he hurt from that and he clearly he obviously wasn't but he could have been like it was it was that level of that was spiked not necessarily intentional but there was definitely head canvas contact there like yeah um and then crush as well one with these typical you know um, his skull, what's he called his skull crushing move again? I can never remember.
0: Cranium Crunch. The but cranium that's Crunch. Only that's... according to like video games Has... and sticker albums. So the Hasbro <laughs>
1: yeah. packet well. I can't remember if it's on the Hasbro packet. No, remember. because well, it's... Well, it wasn't his finishing move, obviously. Not one Hasbro
0: could feasibly do their finishing move based on the action that the figure
1: did. Yeah. You
0: know what I mean?
1: No, like no that... completely. Um, um, but yeah, um, um uh, Legion of Doom could. <laughs> okay, and, uh, super super fly but that's about it um but it's one of those things where with with the way that this finishes as well tim white proper calls it a bit early as well like like berserker's still flailing around a bit he hasn't really given up and then tim white calls it nah i'm calling it <laughs> gorilla actually even pointed because i started write my notes down about the fact that tim white called it early uh-huh. and then as i'm doing it i heard gorilla say I think Tim got a bit excited there. He's called it beforehand because he didn't want him to be paralyzed or something along those lines. <laughs> like, you <laughs> probably <proper life. laughs> Monsoon was good. At... See you another day. It was that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, Monsoon was good at covering up. Mistakes. Fuck ups, basically. Yeah. I mean, the the time, uh, slightly off topic before we get on to the next match, uh, the David Sammartino phantom finish where David was just sick of his life and wanted to quit so he had a match where he got put in a bear hug and he called to be defeated he submitted so the referee had to call it and Monty was like oh I don't think he you know the referee's obviously a fool <laughs> and you know yeah, but it, yeah. was, it was obvious that he was like calling for the bell and stuff so yeah no uh Chris Berserker classic late 92 thank you very much berserker wasn't around for much longer after that but uh that's the thing though i think with berserker generally he was brought in to beat up jobbers become strong by beating up jobbers and then basically lose to anyone around the intercontinental title picture you know what i mean he was never going to win a title which is a shame because he was an athlete and he could do stuff and he was around until like the late, well, not late WCW, but like sort of 98, 99. He was on like uh, the Saturday Night Show and he was one of Goldberg's opponents in the late 90s as well. If, he, if uh, he'd
1: have been, honestly, man, with Berserker, if he'd have been a couple of years beforehand, he could have been fought for Hogan, you know. I truly believe that. He was a big man. Yeah. He was He 6'5", was 6'6", six, 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 John Nord. I think he's about about 6'5". He, he could have had, and, and obviously he was portrayed as this big monster dude. He could have been a sort of token throwaway monster for Hogan, I think, if, he was a, if it was a year or so before. Um, but he, he was built as a monster, um, but he was fodder for um, for the upper mids, as you say, you know. So, but yeah, interesting characters.
0: So after uh, some uh, bushwhackers and Gene, uh, not Gino, and uh, Alfred Hayes. To wash D- your D- mouth
1: out, <laughs> dude. <not put> <laughs> well,
0: the thing is, it's kind of weird because they're trying to, advertised to kids here so like they think who can we get <laughs> like 60 year old alfred hayes most relatable
1: kids. weirdo we can find um <laughs> i love alfred i know i'm slagging off i, I to just say the lessons out there we're doing this I, I, I love them i wouldn't be talking this shit about them if i didn't love them yeah. i do love them they're all great it's just fun to just laugh at them sometimes And that, uh, oh, come on, i think they
0: were the first to take the piss out of what they were doing because they knew it was ridiculous, like smashing up a house.
1: Like. It was a lot of bollocks. The whole thing was absolute <laughs> shite. Uh, but even as a kid, like, it's like, if you've got to bring these relatable or these humorous and these fun characters on, why not do something that's actually fun as well? Why are they smashing What? What? I, like, mm. I don't understand why they're plumbing. Like, and not, <laughs> they're, trying to, they're, they're, they're getting mathematical equations for measurements incorrect and then covering themselves. I'm like, what am I meant to take from this as a seven-year-old? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. so right
0: moving on uh repo man against earthquake now this is kind of interesting because this is they had a match the day before and now this is a match on a tv taping uh which was saved for the video and i guessed the arena correctly based on the color of the stairs that's how like much of a nerd i am because i look <laughs> you're a weirdo I know. I love King of the Ring 93, and they have yellow stairs in uh, Dayton, uh, Dayton, Ohio, in the Nutter Arena, which is what it was called at the time. Um, And so this is their second match in a row. And they referenced the fact that um, Repo Man had beat Typhoon. Now, this is interesting because the Repo Man-Typhoon match unless it was shown on TV, which it quite possibly might have been, uh, it was also on Invasion of the Body Slammers, which came out three videos after Smack and Macam. Smack on catalogue number in the UK was WF114. Invasion of the Body Slammers was WF117. And this is obviously the match that they're talking about. Um, but it's, it's good that you get like a bit of like, because all of these, a lot of these matches were just matches for the sake of matches, but just yeah. a little bit of just, this is
1: why this match is happening, makes a big difference. It was an interesting For- one with these two as well, because, you know, Repo... That, this is what was interesting at this time, right? They used Repo to beat Typhoon. Mm. Okay? And then, obviously, in this match here, he goes against Quaker, and, and, and um, Quake beats him. Now, even Gorilla points out at one point during this match about Repo Man's uh, opponent being Earthquake today, that... He's got the rougher opponent of the two, in my opinion. Mm. And it's like, that's really interesting because it's almost as if they're starting to look at the idea or lay some little eggs down there about the fact that... um... You know, there's maybe a split coming, or the fact that report the fact that natural disasters are starting to wrestle as singles again, which I always found that odd when wrestlers started doing that. You know, when they're in an established tag team such as the disasters, mm-hmm. who've both been singles prior under slightly different guises, although similar, very similar, if not, you know what I mean, just slight, like slight changes. Um, it's like it's it, it's almost it's almost quite a big suggestion that things are about to change um and how i mean this went what was the date of this one again april 93 how long did they wrestle for as a tag team the disasters the, the, following this
0: the video came out in april 93 this yeah. would have been even november to december 19 uh,
1: yeah
0: after after they lost the tag team titles, so it seemed like for whatever reason The disasters were kind of soured upon very quickly because the nasties turned face during that time uh, teamed up with the disasters of Survivor Series 92, but disasters got eliminated and Rumble 93, I mean, Earthquake did make TV appearances after Rumble 93, but whether they were recorded beforehand or not, I'm not entirely sure, but Rumble 93 was kind of like the unofficial end of the disasters because they fought yeah. each other. It wasn't like a breakup or anything like that. It was just kind of they like... Just, oh,
1: it was the face-to-face, wasn't it? Where they just started yeah. battering each other. In the ring. It was a weird one because there was nothing really established to it's a shame because that would have... They, in my opinion, missed a really interesting payoff by having them split. If they'd have had them split and then like a sort of one-on-one match, granted, it wouldn't have been a five-star classic, but it would have been a fun character um, end to uh, a tag team mm-hmm. that clearly were you know, for whatever reason, they weren't going anywhere anymore. I'm guessing it must have been around the time that Tent was on about wanting to go back to Japan or something for a bit. It,
0: it actually was. Typhoon uh, Tugboat on uh, our For the Love Wrestling show, when asked about this, said that he wanted to go back to Japan. That's basically... This is
1: maybe it. He's maybe been yeah. sort of having discussions backstage about wage and things. You never know. It's probably all to do with that, and quick, had probably made it well known that he wants to go back overseas again. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a huge amount of time until... Tugboat then did one himself. Typhoon over at the WCW. Yeah, I um, know it was a little bit later, but you know it's all within that 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 year, the two year lifespan, isn't it? From when people buggered off. Um, so it's probably all to do with that. But I just found it interesting that even at this point here, and although as you say, the match itself might have been from November '92, I imagine the commentary was probably more like sort of March '93. Um, the the overdub commentary from from Gorilla. It will not have been back then. It'll have been. I'll definitely be late. I, 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 I,
0: I don't know if it'll have been as late as um, March, but I do find it interesting no, I that... As part well, of the, I, edit, the editing, just to get the video out. I have, what I think, what I'd assume would have happened is they would have just commented endless amounts of matches and put them in the can for when they were needed for videos. Because I find that the ones that were recorded probably for videos just ahead of time, were the ones where they referenced the title of the video.
1: you well, um, reference, remember though, they did reference the fact that Report had gone against Typhoon, which featured in a completely different video in a different period of time as well. well so that, yeah, but bear in mind, that video came out after Smack yeah,
0: so it's, like, all, it is,
1: it's all bizarre, isn't it, how they, how they did it? It's like, <laughs> let's do it and hope for the best. <laughs> um, but no, so it's, you,
0: it's, it's, go on. Oh no, I was going to say the match generally. I mean, it lasted four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> it's it's interesting that because I mean, one thing, earthquake uh, was gone by the time the video was released, which yeah. is interesting. Um, but the fact that Repo beat Typhoon and then lost to Earthquake made oh. me think that the match might have happened on the same night as part of like one of those long TV tapings um you know just have repo man beat one opponent and then he faces the bigger tougher opponent later on in the night and then gets his comeuppance or whatever um we'll find that out later on as we start reviewing more of these videos it'll yeah. be interesting to find out um but yeah no it's a, it's a four minute match it is what it is i'm not entirely sure why it's on the video because like both of them were gone by this point but um i guess Which- the videos take a long time to get put out so. We did
1: get a, an interesting little bit of a discussion, which led me onto a rabbit hole of finding out bits and bobs, like to be honest. Um, so at one point, Gorilla, our Colosseum video cameraman, Um what was it? What, what a life that they leave, lead Alfred, uh, <laughs> travelling all traveling over the, the world. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred, Alfred, everything paid for by Marty Applebaum. I couldn't help it then, could I? Gorilla, they tell me Marty has deep pockets, Alfred. Alfred, he certainly does, Gorilla. So I went on a, on a fishing expedition to find out who Marty Applebaum was and what his crack was all about. As you'll probably know, um, and, and I knew a bit of this, I knew the first part that Marty was the, vice, uh, was the VP of operations <laughs> for the whole of Coliseum video from 87 to 97. So he was that responsible long, for the, that, for the production and distribution of the entire decade of them knocking out videos. I didn't know it was that long. That he was is with the, them for the 10 years. That is the entire length. That yeah, is the he was line. there from start yeah. to end. Yeah. He was like the VP of operations during the whole time for that. Um, oh. And then he became the VP of a collectible stamp and, uh, n- and banknotes retailer <laughs> after yeah. following that. Made an absolute fortune. And now he's the portfolio manager of luxury condos in the US.
0: Brilliant. He's, condos- a, he's a
1: mega, mega, mega bankroller in, man. He's got some deep pockets. Even <laughs> back then they were referencing it, And now, so- man. So what you're saying is we'll never get him on the podcast. Yeah. Well, why do you think I went looking in the first place? <laughs> when I, when I found out, oh, he's just you know he's got a paper round. When that wasn't the case, I was devastated because I thought we're going to never be able to get him on. <laughs> he runs a news agent in Sacramento. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he, uh, he's the portfolio manager for luxury condos and apartments for the rich and famous now. So you know. It's all right. He might.
0: I mean, no one's asked him about his WWF career unless he's ashamed of it or something. You know, like.
1: Well, he did it for ten years. You'd hope he's not ashamed of it. I think he'd be, like, he should. He should be like ashamed a... of his. He should be ashamed of his last year. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> when you look at some of those
0: releases, but. like
1: <laughs> You could maybe smell DVDs were on the horizon. He was like, "No, nah, uh-huh. I'm getting out of here. I'm getting out of here." Um, no, he's. You know, it was ten years. It was. It was. It was a decent stint. It's mm. not like. It a, it's not like it was a you know, student placement kind of. A, that dude is
0: responsible from... for my childhood, basically. Well, you
1: know? I mean, it depends on what you mean by that. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> well, he's not my dad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's responsible for my childhood.
0: I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I was the son of a condor, you know, multimillionaire. You condor? Know? <laughs> by condor? Oh, do you mean, by condor, do you mean aeroplanes or do you mean the birds?
1: I mean, condos is like the big, massive luxury apartments, isn't it? Like it's oh, like, right. I thought you meant, like, condo. Like you were, con- are you thinking of, of Concord? <laughs> 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 that would be a different story, considering they went bankrupt in about 97, funnily enough. Isn't it's a condo like a bird, though? Yeah, just... there, is a, there is a bird called a condo. There yeah, you condo, go, C. Which has got an yeah. R on the end. But condo, C-O-N-D-O, C-O-N-D-O is like C-O-N-D-O. proper d d o it's really like they're really posh, lavish, you know, multi-million dollar apartments, mm. basically in Beverly yeah. Hills and stuff like that. But I'd um, like
0: to, I would like to think that he has um, all of the Silver Vision um, or Coliseum Video awards when videos went gold and stuff yeah, like that. Because I really the, the hope so. Those exist. That, and yeah. the thing is, though, what they would do is they would give them to people who were on the covers. And not many of them went gold, really. But like, there's a one that Virgil had because he was tanker, on the cover of SummerSlam eight to tank people like that.
1: Harry so you Martin. would
0: fit. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, so... basically any pretty hell I mean, SummerSlam night. I mean, sorry, uh, Royal Rumble '92 and '91. That'll be a nightmare. <laughs> Everybody's on the front cover. That <laughs> Everybody gets a copy. Squiggle oh. In the background, that's me," says Steve Lombardi. <laughs> anyway, so you wouldn't get this on any of. Our- no you wouldn't yeah. people talking absolute shit about wrestling I think you probably would like probably. so yeah um, Rep-
0: Repo Man Earthquake uh, Earthquake comes out victorious in that match Quake destroyed that. him in four minutes basically um, back to the house Lord Alfred Hayes he gets electrocuted of course um, and it's good. a point of... <laughs> um, yeah no so we we go into the next match
1: as if he's dead that's the thing no, we don't. Well, yeah, we kind of we do. do. Well, we kind of do. Like, well it, does, well, it goes into the next segment, doesn't it? It goes into the eating with Yokozuna one straight after that, I believe. I know.
0: I forgot how early on in the tape this was.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did as well. I forgot, to be honest with you, I'd managed to blank out altogether <laughs> that there was so much bushwhacker shit with Alfred Hayes. Yeah. I have a memory that the Yokozuna thing was more the kind of go-back-to storyline. I didn't realise... Until watching it again, that it was actually an all in one go segment. You know what I mean? Just a one off big segment rather than split up like the Bushwhackers one. Mm. I thought this had the. I thought Yokozuna had the Bushwhacker spot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Before before we get into cooking for the single man with Yokozuna.
1: um... I was. Right. What I want to know is very, very quickly. Okay. When you advertise that logo, cooking for the single man, the word single's massive, obviously representing a big, massive man, but it's like. I'm sure he did all right for himself, Yoko Zuna. I'm sure he... I'm sh- You know what I mean? Like It's almost highlighting, oh, look at him. He's so massive and grotesque that he can only be single. <laughs> like, he did all right, I'm sure.
0: Oh, I'm <laughs> sure he did okay. If he you've got try. the confidence, if you've got the confidence and you've got those geisha girls with you every night, I'm sure you're doing all right. You know what I mean? This
1: um, so- <laughs> so is one get- of my favorite segments of every single um any anything ever actually? It's one of my favourite segments of anything ever.
0: <laughs> any form of entertainment, them. any TV show, anything. Like
1: anybody who follows me on Twitter knows <laughs> about my love for Zuna, um, oh. and knows about you know. Well, I posted recently. I was in that that bloody post. You figure Friday competition with our HWO uh, crew and. Came j- joint winner with with Nick, who had a signed mock Undertaker Hasbro, and um, nice. I, I, I posted the me, um, me um, Yokozuna Hasbro's next to the cl- next to the two classic, uh, Hasbro's and uh, SummerSlam autograph behind them, and I just um, yeah, I, I'm a big Yoko fan, so this really really struck gold for me. Even as a kid, I absolutely loved how nonsensical and funny it was. It made me. Sk- how much food yokozuna could eat scared the shit out of me as a kid <laughs> to the point where i recognized straight away he's the best heel of all time
0: oh it's it, it's hard to argue i mean right okay two interesting things about the well i say interesting <laughs> two things that you you may find remotely uh you might go hmm, um but cooking for the single man is listed as bonus features as if it's a dvd um <laughs> I mean, which you know, it's a part of the video, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um Spunk
1: in the middle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um and the home improvement with the bushwhackers. Uh it's listed as what I like is because everything has a border. Like everything had a border on a video in nineteen ninety-two-93. Yeah. And the bushwhacker's border is in the shape of a house. So, you know, it's it's some good thinking going on there. They really planned for this. And um it's called Home Improvement Bushwhacker Style. Those two zany do-it-yourselfers reveal some of their own home improvement techniques. Excellent. It's not funny. It's just factual. To the point. It's to the point. So, yeah, (laughs) um, cooking for the single man. Now, this is brilliant, partly because Gene Oakland is hosting it.
1: Yep, Gene Uh, Oakland's hosting it. Mr. Fuji's there. Yoko Zuna's there. And it's in a real open restaurant as well.
0: How drunk, are, do you think, are Gene Oakland and Mr. Fuji for this? They've,
1: I think they've had a tipple. <laughs> uh, Gene Oakland opens up by saying, I heard he eats over 15,000 calories per day. I'm going to clear that up now, right? <laughs> I'm gonna get as, into this someone, as someone way. who's on
0: a diet. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right.
1: I'm going to get into this now because what I did yeah. is <laughs> I used my journalistic um, investigative face to look into what he was eating and then do a calorie count so i looked at it and i was listening to everything that gene oakland said and you know it's obviously eating character to the character isn't it but it's the fact that gene oakland at one point confirmed that yokozuna had just eaten 11 of those steaks that were cooked okay so he'd eaten 11 steaks Mm -hmm. he had two large baskets of sushi There was approximately 24 pieces of sushi in each one of those two large baskets, which which tallies up to uh, 48 pieces. Okay, so I'm just just clarifying these points first. So 48 pieces of sushi, 11 ribeye steaks, Mm. all look like they're roughly about 12 ounce steaks. Okay, he had six pounds of shrimp. He had what looked like roughly about four tablespoons of butter. I haven't even added the oil into this. Yeah. <laughs> there copious amounts of oil that was poured on this. And he had a platoon's worth of fried rice. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I did a bit of tally up here. Uh-huh. So 48 pieces of uh, sushi is the equivalent of roughly 1,800 calories alone. So it's 1,800 calories of just sushi without any sort of dips or anything like that. That's just, just off-the-cuff plain sushi. Is that I think I could manage 48 pieces of
0: sushi, but I think that would be it.
1: So what I mean? uh, Yeah, well, it's roughly, you know, it's roughly about your daily allowance a day as an adult. <laughs> so um, if you could have used all of your calories to eat 48 pieces of sushi, that's your call. <laughs> um, so that's 1,800, right? Uh uh-huh. 11 ribeye steaks. Is 5,800
2: calories.
1: (laughs) Six pounds of shrimp, 2,700 calories. Four tablespoons of butter, 400 calories. And the amount of fried rice that he had, I had to look at the amount that it was. I looked at a similar picture online for a similar amount based on the size of the plate and the pound, And Uh, then I divided that by the amount of steaks that he had and then tried to portion it out. So one steak with one portion, i.e. one small bowl of rice to go with it. I added all that together, and for the rice, it came to 6,500 calories,
0: mm-hmm. okay?
1: Because it was a silly amount of rice, if you have a look at that. It was a right? silly amount of
0: rice. Can or, I just say, though, that Gene Oakland and Fuji did have some of that?
1: No, this is the thing. I thought that, but okay. then Gene Auckland confirmed after a couple of the things that they had theirs, and then he said... I can't believe you've just eaten 11 steaks, Yokozuna. So this is after deduction. (laughs) (laughs) This is post-deduction of calories. So I'm not even going to class, right? They classed the 48 pieces of sushi as an appetizer. Mr. Fuji kept saying, it hasn't even started, Gene. <laughs> like, we haven't even started yet. <laughs> Several times, he kept saying, I, we haven't even started yet. <laughs> Oakland can't handle this news. It's just he's the beginning. like, oh, no. <laughs> he's sweating constantly until the until the waitress comes over, and then he's distracted, obviously, <laughs> Gene Oakland, with his wandering eyes. Uh, um, so, yes, not counting... The 48 pieces of sushi, which total up to 1,800 calories, Yokozuna, for his main course, consumed 15,400 calories in that one meal, apparently. Mr. Fuji also confirmed he eats between three to four meals a day. <laughs> so Yokozuna, on average, apparently eats roughly, if they're all of the same equivalent, roughly 60,000 calories a day. It's no wonder he's a big lad. Can I just say
0: as well, at the end of this, He's like time for dessert and do you know I was like oh no I
1: can't stand it like, <laughs> oh no, no please no um, it was uh, it's one of my favourite segments that's some you can tell, good uh,
0: research you'll never get that on another you won't
1: believe. I don't care I do anything. enjoy uh, one of my favourite aspects of this whole thing was this is a real restaurant uh-huh. and if you look there's a couple of shots where the chef comes out for example <laughs> there's people in the background wondering what the fuck is going on here as they're, as they're taken to their tables to eat yeah. you can even hear children laughing in the background at one point, just as Gene's going off on one about <laughs> rice and how you use chopsticks with his non racial kind of, you know, uh, as if Gene of Auckland hasn't been to a sushi restaurant before, <laughs> or hasn't used chopsticks before, and he's doing the whole like splitting them in half, and one goes flying. And the other one. <laughs> One of my favourite little throwaway bits is where where the guy where the chef comes out and he's doing his knife trickery and he's wielding it and doing all that kind of he's like the big boss man with his nightstick but he's doing it with a <laughs> the the pepper grinder. He's like, wait, look at me, yeah. and um, you know, and Jean um, Gene, Jean's like, he's an artist, he's doing his thing, you know, and uh, Yokozuna just makes a slight, ever so slight movement on a chair as if he just he barely he just literally sort of moves forward a tiny bit basically indicating to, the, to, to Fuji, who quite quickly points out come on, come on, hurry up, Yokozuna's getting very angry, he's very hungry and all of Yokozuna did was move, <laughs> a, like a fraction that says everything you need to know about Yokozuna, he yeah. doesn't need to say or do or even move and the moment he does he means
0: business. <laughs> that character was so well done. Because the thing is, watching that as a kid, and this is just probably over-exaggerating it in my head, but I thought that Yogazuna got really angry when he did
1: that, but he didn't. Yeah, he yeah. just moved slightly, and that was enough. His like... facial expressions during this whole thing, such yeah. as things like grabbing Gene's hand to burn it over the hot plates just as a way to take the <laughs> piss out of him.
0: His little it's... wry
1: smile and smirk at Fuji whenever Gene was being a divvy. Yeah. like. Little things, the fact that he just at one point he just went, Ugh. and that was him speaking Japanese apparently because we all know that obviously he wasn't Japanese, but just what? little bits like that. What really? fourth wall? I feel like Alfred Hayes telling you that Bret Hart's about to win the the belt at the beginning of a show. <laughs>
0: but they're Spoiler: in the They're in the sushi restaurant.
1: Like, it's um, uh, me, It's 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 one of my favourite things ever. I absolutely love it, and it's just, <laughs> it really is. It's why it's probably the reason I like wrestling.
0: Well, the, the, the thing is with Yoko because like he, he's kind of he's in character because he's not speaking or anything like that but you kind of see almost a humane element to Yoko I know he's cruel and he's generally a bastard because he's ready to burn Auckland's hand on the on the walk or whatever but like yeah. like he the way he looks over to Fuji for every piece of evil advice or whatever like he's when Oakland's been a dafty, Yoko just looks over at uh, Fuji,
1: like <laughs> And then Fuji's the one who relays the point. It's yeah. like like Yoko will look at Fuji and Fuji will say, Gene, you silly boy, kind you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> Yeah, he's looking for advice and guidance, but just a little wry smile is enough for Fuji to kind of to, to, to jump in with all of his one liners and they're all brilliant. And Fuji- likewise, just that little source, he doesn't even it's barely a shuffle. Like he's when that chef comes out and starts playing with the knife and doing that whole twist, and Yoko has this look on his face like he's gonna kill him. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's gonna kill him. He looks like, "Where's my food at, you absolute twat?" He's looking at him like, "Stop pissing about and bring me food." And all he does, he like he almost just just ever so slightly moves his shoulder. You know, like when you you just ever slightly, move your ass cheek, ever just a tiny fraction to get a bit more comfier on your seat. It yeah. was that kind of tiniest of movements for Fuji to go, whoa, 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 hurry up, food. where's the food at? Stop messing around. And it was like, that was just, it's just genius. It's, it's so good. Fuji gets criticism
0: for, you know, because he's managing the champion until Cornette comes in. The part of the reason Cornette was brought in was so he could deliver more coherent promos. But Fuji understood Yoko, like in real life, like oh, yeah. and not so well.
1: To, not yeah. only understood, him, but for me personally, when you go back and watch 80s Fuji and 90s Fuji and whatever, for me, Fuji looks his happiest and in his element. And all, in my opinion, his best performance is when he's Yoko's manager compared to when he's Powers of Pay manager or Demolition manager or whatever. I think he's at his best when he's with Izuna. Yeah. I, mean, and I, I just I, think that, that where they're bouncing off each other and he's allowed to he's able to speak a bit more rather than just very good, very good. You know, it's rather than just those talking silly, you know, one up yeah. gestures that WZF used to put out for his earlier run in the eighties. It's like he's really he's having a bit of crack and you can see his character a lot more, you can see the chemistry there, you can you can he comes to life. And I, I think Yokozuna, Mr Fuji, is the best Fuji of all time in my honest opinion. I agree. I 100% agree, and I
0: think Fuji. I mean, he had bad knees at this point. And
1: yep. when when Fuji
0: started managing Yoko to begin with, he still had the tuxedo and everything. And I think yep. Fuji probably appreciated not having to put on a tuxedo every damn night. Damn right. <laughs> put on a dressing gown. Brilliant. Oh, had to carry a really heavy <laughs> flag, though, <That. laughs> and a bucket, bucket full of and salt.
1: how heavy was that? A bucket full of salt. <laughs> It's a bucket of sand, isn't it? Have you ever like a bucket, a proper bucket, not not just like a kid's bucket <laughs> on a on a beach, not a sandcastle bucket, a proper yeah. old garden bucket, mm. full, of, full of salt, but on wood as well, thick, yeah. chunky wood anyway. Makes me wonder why no
0: Yokozuna figure by Mattel or anyone ever came with a bucket. Like it's perfect. Like if they ever make Yokozuna next. Of the make a Mr. Fuji, because Jax did the, the powers of pain tuxedo Fuji. They've got to make this Fuji. It's screaming to be made, in my opinion. Well, um, if, if
1: they don't make one for him, they could maybe make a bucket for Matt Riddle.
0: <laughs> that, that's a bit blunt of you. Wasn't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, spliffs. Ew, how, oh. how
0: droll. <laughs> Eating it out. Anyway... <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, anyway, so Yogazuna eats a load of food and then um it cuts to some more Alfred Hayes mentalness. I mean you've got to bear yeah. right, the Yogazuna bit
1: lasts ten minutes. <laughs> like... It's a chunk. It's a chunk. As is he. He Eats a lot of food. To be fair, if he was just having a crunch corner, it would be over in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Thirty seconds, he's done.
0: A to Bruce Pritchard as well. It's a shoot. He ate all that food, and I believe it. I,
1: like, I but... don't doubt it. Like you know, yeah. he's probably, he's stuck. He's probably talking in. Like it's not <laughs> like on these these programs where you see somebody about to take a bite out of a burger and then they keep putting it off and putting it off and then they obviously don't because it's it's a fake burger or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like a, a um. I gave him a kind of burger or chips or something. You see people with it in the hand in these fast food restaurants and they go to take a bite and then something happens to distract them and then they put it down. The food never gets eaten in a lot of scenes in films. It just doesn't because it's just like crap that they put there. Whereas this is a full-on banquet that's meant to be for 12 people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Gene and
1: has most- like half of one portion. Fuji probably scrunches his portion, to be fair, because, you know, he's not a small lad at this point. Mm. And... Um, but Zuna legitimately 10 to 11 portions of food, apparently. That's it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And he wasn't championed by this point.
1: Calories in his...
0: <laughs> yeah. And this was the lightest Yoko was during the WWF <laughs> run as well, which is, I mean, it's insane. I mean, this is probably before well, the rumble because Oakland doesn't mention it. And, you know, I, this is why I think everything was late night too. And, and to be fair, they were still introducing Yoko to the world. So, this what was
1: late 92, like, was he? About 550? 525? He was announced at 505, but he was probably. 505 legit. Was his very first. Wasn't he was he? probably legit
0: about 470, I would imagine, because they always over exaggerate. But, but um, that was
1: his debut, though. That was I his reckon, debut. I reckon when he was filming this, he was probably around the 500 mark.
0: He might have been. I mean, have you eaten that much sushi? Should we get off this bit?
1: <laughs> yeah, let's carry on.
0: Because, I mean, you know, if if you want any more talk of uh, us talking about Yokozuna eating sushi, press uh, CFAX page 888 and you'll find <laughs> more information about that. So, we'll yeah. Do a,
1: back... We'll do a double header special episode about Yokozuna's eating habits. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Sorry. Um, so,
0: yeah, back to, uh, back to Gene and uh, sorry, back to Alfred and uh, the Bushwhackers doing some nonsense. Yeah. And then. A Bret Hart profile, um, which <laughs> which I mean, it's just it's like uh, all of a sudden during this, some wrestling matches start happening. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. Um, and the thing is, the selling point of this tape, I mean, I, I don't think a, a Coliseum video has ever been sold on the fact that there is a match on it, you know what I mean? It's always been about the concept of the tape or the fact that it's like a load of wrestlers or whatever. This has a world title change on it thats that wasn't available anywhere else in completion before yeah. this, as well as the ladder match. But the world the first, title, the
1: first tele, the first um record ladder match as well, yeah. No, it's it's, it's insane. So, like, so we got two could... massive matches with some of the best wrestlers in the world at the time. Yes, yeah. let's focus on that. And they've called the tape Smack 'em Whack 'em. <laughs> it's highlighting that point. Smack em, whack em, Is it the worst title ever? I
0: mean, there's more. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a poll of that worst Coliseum yeah.
1: video title. It's a, it's a bad, <laughs> bad, isn't it?
0: Consciously, well, i bad to...
1: quality on there. You know, it's such a, it's a nuts tape, but we'll, we'll we'll cover that at the very end. But cracking crack up, Brett.
0: I've got to say as well before we get into the Brett uh, segment that. On the, on the network version, you don't get this because they use the same theme tune over and over again. But on the Coliseum video, you get Randy Savage over some music going, smack em, whack em. So that is, that is Savage saying that. it's. It, I mean, that's his only cameo on the entire video. And he's one of the biggest stars in the WWE tub- <laughs> <laughs> at that point. Uh, Wouldn't you think that every tape should have like a Randy Savage match
1: on, you know? um but yeah you would yeah you would but there we go
0: there we are so yeah so we cut to a uh, uh, gorilla monsoon and brett monsoon and full mania 9 get up he's got the mania 9 cap he's got the mania 9 t-shirt i have a feeling that this was recorded on the weekend of uh caesar's palace i could be wrong on that um but it would make a lot of sense I don't um,
1: like Gorilla Monsoon standing up next to the champion interviewing him because he's a foot taller <laughs> Yeah, I don't like it I don't like the visual, I love Gorilla everybody in the world loves Gorilla Monsoon
0: yeah.
1: um, and I'm a big fan of Brett and I hate the fact that Gorilla Monsoon has stood up interviewing Bret Hart as the world champion when he's a foot taller and he looks like he'll be able to destroy him himself Is- and he's a commentator
0: it's quite an odd segment because Monsoon never did segment like this on on any of the Coliseum videos, but I think it does add a bit of gravitas to it. That's Monsoon. It's not Sean Mooney. You know what I mean? Should have like, been.
1: It should have been Vince. Really. That's true. That is true. It Should have been Vince for something like the world champion. It's discussing the fact that he's just become champion. He's beat Ric Flair. But I have a look at the match quite soon that he won the world title on, and. I don't know, you thought Vince was quite he never you never really wanted to play a part in these did he really, he wasn't interested <laughs> get them out I don't want to see them, turn your face
0: inexplicably I mean they are stood outside doing this and Brett is in full of costumes so like this is why I'm thinking the weekend of Mania 9 where they made appearances in costume and stuff like that But um...
1: Brett's got such a really strange facial expression during this right as well I've got to say like again, big fan, I'm not knocking the lad <laughs> it's. it's um, he's it's, a good lad. He's got, he, a good... he's got the face. He looks like really coy and shy during this. Like a little sort of like making a mild smile. Like he's just about to ask, you know, some. He's just about to ask somebody out to the school prom. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he does. He looks. He looks really sort of like. Timid. <laughs> and like little sort of like little smile up now and again like a boy band smile you know what I mean there isn't and it just looks really odd and then you've got this giant massive man interviewing mm. I don't know but it's just a, it's a strange visual and I don't for me it, I, I, it's, it's it's for smack and whack so it doesn't matter does let's be honest but it, it looks odd it just looks completely out of proportion to what it should be for interviewing the new world champion which doesn't really all add up at all. It's outside. Brett looks like a child and (laughs) he's been interviewed by a giant.
0: (laughs) It just looks odd. Well, interestingly, I mean, we, we go into the uh, the ladder match, uh, the first televised WBF, well, not televised, it was uh, saved for the for Coliseum. Well, <laughs> of course it was. You know what I mean? It's crazy. But the thing is, though, it was the first time they did it, so they probably didn't want to put it on TV in case it didn't work, or you save it for the house shows. Or I, that reckon, kind of-
1: I reckon uh, the deep pockets of uh, Marty Applebaum, <laughs> the thing to do about it. Like, money talks. Well, that's not going on, on TV, Vince. It's coming straight to VHS. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: it was important. Cam- It was in Portland, Maine in July 92, Um, and interestingly enough, and I think this is a bit of like an insider rib, that Brett says that he has never been in a ladder match before, but he suspects that Sean probably has because someone had to have come up with the concept. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So Brett, I mean, everyone knows that Brett uh, had matches in Stampede because... Either him or his dad came up with the ladder match. And he had matches against Bad News Brown, who was Bad News Allen at the time. Jade the Snake had some matches. I think he had one against Junk Your Dog. Don't write me letters. I know they had matches in in Stampede. One of them I believe was a ladder match. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's quite funny. Like <laughs> when you think about it now. But yeah. it's it's they don't use the ladder much as a weapon in terms of like they pick it up and throw it at someone but they whip people into it and all that kind of thing and uh, i guess you had to you had to watch what you were doing at that time and
1: um I yeah think... it was still aimed at kids so they had to, yeah. so the, the whole weapon thing wasn't a th- wasn't really a thing like it, it phased out a bit. the weapon whole like it phased out in the late 80s you know people like maybe Ron Bass were one of the last people to use weapons when he, um, who was he again? I'm trying to think of the match I'm thinking of where he's
0: he's, he's he's against
1: beefcake. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That was was kind of one of the last times I remember seeing anything before this kind of time period. And then you saw nothing really until the sort of 96 time when Austin started bleeding a lot. Flair obviously bled against Savage. Um, but I think and that he got, he got more, pulled off for of that as well. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it was a bit of a it was a bit taboo. So using ladders was that kind of step in that direction, but like playing it safe with how they use them. And to me, it added a lot. Like it added to the suspense of how it was going to be used. And they had to be they had to be a, to be a lot more creative and realistic with it, rather than just being able to chuck them at each other. And then, oh, he's back up again. You know what I mean? You've had a ladder chucked at you. So this, um, I I really, I actually much preferred. Early mid '90s ladder matches compared to the ladder matches that we get modern era, hmm. by far. But I, Just because of how they were used, and it was, it was interesting.
0: It wasn't setting ladders up for spots and stuff yeah. like that. It was actually a struggle to try and get to the top of the ladder, which is like the point of the match. You know, um, I believe that uh, it's Alfred Hayes who says that he has seen some of these matches before, but it was to grab cash, which is true. Um, yes. yeah. You know, and well, you uh,
1: saw as well, it was one point where it was Sean dragging the ladder back to the ring, and it looked like it was actually a proper heavy ladder as well. Oh, like it, yeah, that, it wasn't that, an aluminium kind of, you know, falls over if you stand too close to it on the ring, yeah. like we get to see in the Attitude Era onwards, where, you know, they're made out of pretty tin cans. Uh, these were heavy ladders, and you saw Sean was proper dragging that ladder back. It wasn't like, oh, I took it over my shoulder. It was it was hard work. It was heavy. <laughs> and he was gassed by that point. And so there wasn't, yeah. there wasn't
0: a lot going on in the match with the ladder, but what was done because it was never seen before in front of an audience like that, we're getting some really good reactions. Um, and Anticipation is yeah, there. Anticipation
1: absolutely. is there. Cause it's new. It's in, it's innovative. It it's a, um, Innovative, sorry. It it's, could have uh, died it's on been, its sauce that's the
0: thing. Like have. these concepts, like the first rumble died on its sauce the, the house show rumble, that one man gang one, um in eighty seven, like the crowd just didn't get it. And I mean well, this let's is a be very honest,
1: st- though. Oh, I mean, let's be honest like, no. it is, but you talk about Brett and Sean here And that's true. That's, that's the true. difference. You know, if if you'd have chucked this in the earthquake repo man match, it <laughs> might have been a slightly different <laughs> to grab it's typhoon. Like... From yeah. him. <laughs> 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 Ty- typhoon's hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> How did he end up there? <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> He's a big lad. He's a big lad. Shark tank. Wait. Right.
0: Right. Um, um But yeah, no, there's no such thing as a bad Bret Hart Show Michaels match, basically. It was depth. a good
1: match. It was a great match. Sherry's involvement and in it was as as you'd expect, you know, um pissing Brett off. Brett goes for her a few times. It's just, just standard Sherry's involvement in a Sean match against a, against a star. Um, not, just in, uh, just enough to kind of wind it up to the point where Sean could get the upper hand at times. That kind of stuff, just great. It's just good fun, good chemistry. It's a shame mass- they hate each other so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, not massively helped by
0: the the studio commentary of Monsoon and uh, and Alfred Hayes talking about what they had for tea last night and stuff like that. You know, right? oh,
2: oh. Um.
0: So yeah, up next. Uh, inexplicably, and I thought this was not an intercontinental title match because I know they had one, but this is a WWF title match. It is, um, it's Bret Hart against Kamala at uh, the very end of Kamala's heel run because this teases the face run. Um, it's amazing
1: that Chuck this match out there before the match where Brett wins the belt. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's weird. Oh, I don't understand the programming here, but yes, sorry, crack on Brett versus Kamala, world we'll title match. Well, Up yeah, I sleep. mean, it's it's basic,
0: you know, Brett you know is overpowered by Kamala and you know they do that very well i don't like i don't like critiquing matches like this you know what i mean i wonder no,
1: let's be honest we're, we're taking this but we i fucking love everything that we're talking about here like tr- truly love everything that we're talking about here mm-hmm. um i love the fact that it's bret hart versus kamala for the world title it's absolute insanity mm-hmm. <laughs> as a on paper it's but it's
0: interesting it. as well that Hayes whose favorite wrestler is the berserker um he calls bret the greatest champion of all time after a sixteen day title reign. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I um, Kamala. And um, I just want to point out that you've mentioned that as well. Yeah that we are now graced by the uh, dynamic duo of Sean Mooney <laughs> and Alfred Hayes. <laughs> Is that enough of Hayes by this point? Well Brett uh, well, right outside do you see well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well Brett's already in the ring though so something <laughs> doesn't add up there. Um Sean Mooney and and uh, Alfred Hayes here I'll be honest right These two on commentary, mate. Mm -hmm. They're like two socially awkward vicars discussing a harvest festival. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, Mildred might bring um, a giant leek and some carrots. (laughs) I I think you're right, Alfred. Yes, Um, yes. And I think Gwyneth will be there also. Um, It's just the whole thing. It's just like It's got, it's, it's infuriating, like, but brilliant at the same time, because it obviously is, because it's, it's just, it's met, it's just weird. There's just two, two people who shouldn't be talking to each other, talking to each other. They're like two people who are at a bus stop and they feel the need that they have to talk to each other. So it's just pleasantries. (laughs) It's one of those, it's just a pleasantries (laughs) conversation with somebody you don't really want to be talking to. I find that.
0: I find that they were the best when they were hosting videos, um, because yeah, Alfred Hayes was always like, "I know more than you," and they both looked like fools whether they were like driving a spaceship on, you know, Invasion ninety two or whatever. Um, the commentary stream, I find it weird as well because um, Mooney was pretty much just about gone by the time this tape came out, and I find Mooney late ninety two, early ninety three commentary. I'm like, oh, he was still doing it at that point," because. Mon- Mooney and Alfred Hayes were the first commentary team on the Mania matches when Todd Pettingle took over which feels like a real a clash of eras at this point. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Um okay, yeah. you know so like yeah no so this is uh, Mooney's uh, only bit of commentary on this tape and it feels it feels out of place I would say because it there's two notable things about this one they largely had the same commentary team throughout the entire video and two most of the matches, if not all of the matches, were clean finishes, which never happens on a colosseum video. Yeah. Um. You know. So yeah. So um. Brett Hart, Kamala. Brett was over, and Kamala. They were teasing the face turn, so this went down well with the crowd. Whatever you think of it, it probably wasn't Brett's greatest match by far. You know what I mean? But it was Kamala good. Kamala
1: played his part. It was a good past, yeah.
0: building characters and showing that Brett could stand up against the bigger heel and then the teased kamala's face turn at the end and stuff like oh, that That That's so,
1: splash you know. on whippleman man yeah i mean oh jesus the kimchi <laughs> and whippleman held brett down for the splash kamala mm-hmm. bounced off the ropes to do the big splash brett moved but so did kamala so kamala <laughs> sort of dived purposefully onto whippleman who was about three foot out of his trajectory so it was kinda of one of those things I'm gonna dive on Brett, but I'm gonna move as well at the same time to just just to make sure that I dive on Whippleman it was just it was ridiculous the obviousness of it if that makes sense but yeah. um but it was great, but yeah it it was you know if I was Whippleman, I'd be pissed off as well because there was no way in hell he should have been diving on me <laughs> <laughs> at that point, you know he had to go out of his way to dive on him um but no it was great it was um it was it set it up as you say for the turn it teases it whatsoever um and yeah, it's just another chalked victory for Brett, isn't it? Who's sort of um, getting getting the names under his belt by that point. Um, and the the thing is as well, like it, whether
0: people have like criticisms of the match, that was kind of standard WWE affair at that point. It was a house show main event.
1: It was fine. It was you a know. big daft deal against the champion. And if, yeah. you know, if it had been three again, three or four years before. Kamala was, was was deemed as a bit of a monster heel in the late 80s, so they're yes. just rolling him out again for another, have, have a big heel when they were kind of low on big, big dudes at that point, you know, I might say that they had the likes of Yoko Zuna and the National Disasters that they were sort of splitting up so it made sense and Kamala, people want to create that, Kamala could move, man. He really could, I mean Kamala, Kamala was, had some speed. to him, he was doing sort of thrust kicks, he was doing proper high and diving chops, he was like, he was all he was getting about you well,
0: threw, threw that leapfrog as well and yeah. I think that like Kamala as a few people were during that time was specifically probably brought into feud with the Undertaker and then Kamala was promised to face him with merchandise didn't happen like in terms of the merch then there was like acrimony for a long time over him thinking that he didn't really get the money that he deserved all that kind of thing which I mean I would probably agree with because he was over with that crowd. I hope um, to
1: God he's got one of the original Moonbelly Kamala figures for Hasbro. <laughs> that he's, sitting, would be... he's sitting on 15 grand if he does.
0: <laughs> we need to talk to Kenny Casanova about that. A previous guest uh, will definitely ask him about that. Um... I'm pretty
1: sure he hasn't unfortunately. <laughs> I think there is actually a picture I'm sure of, of it being in his collection but I think other collectors who are very um, Hasbro wise and savvy um, have confirmed that he can't own one because they've all been accounted oh, for right. it. he's got a custom in his collection apparently, that's what I've heard anyway and I don't know if he knows that which is even more
0: depressing I think, Ken- I think Kenny probably knows because he's really good at customising, he made a birth of custom out of the Yokozuna figure and it looks really good um,
1: just- as Kenny Casanova could jubes Kamala into, <laughs> into <laughs> pion- oh, you- you'll get a bargain off me mate <laughs> pay for your foot surgery oh um, kamala. I, honestly when i saw that 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 um i know we're going off, tr- off topic a bit here but that yeah. that video of kamala the sort of plead the sort of you know the behind the scenes thing about it was in his house i believe it was shot in his house it was like this mini dock. I can't remember but it was on was it was it part of something else it was a standalone it was shot in his house it was him giving a bit of a shoot interview about the fact that he was you know conned out of his out mm-hmm. of what he earned against taker because he only walked away with about 12 grand from that match or something whereas taker walked away with six figures that was kind of what he was suggesting um and then he needed really really he needed money for um from foot surgery and i think that was the first time i saw a proper wrestler's appeal for fans help to help with some um surgery i'm sure that was the first time i saw one you know
0: when Dawn, Dawn Marie set up that wrestlers rescue, it was and before I mean, that.
1: I'm sure it was before. I was really
0: because yeah. there was acrimony about that as well. And we'll not get into all that. No, but there that's was, a um,
1: this this is core video. This I is core video. So I should think. we should we get
0: into the selling point of the video besides the bushwhackers? Let's get into it. Yeah, let's uh,
1: let's, let's round it up with um Bret Hart versus Flair. Then we'll finish off obviously with Taker versus Ramon. The but
0: inexplicable. We'll get into yeah, the inexplicable last match on the video after a title match, but whatever. Yeah. Like
1: A 25-minute-long title match, may I add?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, so you may have heard uh, of this match. Um, Rick Flair against Bret Hart. Now, this match, they showed clips of, obviously, the week it happened, because imagine if they just kept hold of all the footage oh. and just never showed any of it. But, um, crazily enough, I mean, they probably thought, right, we'll put this on a tape and we'll sell some bloody tapes, like, fair enough. Why put it on free TV uh, just for a cheap rating when you could sell probably more videos than you have in like a good while besides the pay-per-views? So, um,
1: yeah. I mean, I'll apart talk- from the Yokozuna eating all the food segment, <laughs> you had to have some selling point for this tape because you weren't buying it otherwise, let's be honest. <laughs> well, well the- I say that, then, you you know, apart from that, and, and the, because the ladder match was good as well, let's be honest. But oh, apart no. from that, it's all superstars main event sort of style Quality matches isn't, it? you know, they're they're all lower to mid card matches, which is what you'd expect for Smack and Wackham and Alfred Hayes and the Bushwhackers video. But I've then you to... get the, you get the ladder match and then you get this world title match as well. It's like, man, that's that's it's nuts. It, it's one of
0: the few videos I've got to say that built it up almost like an event where they yeah. started with your, your lower card talent and built up to your main events. Um, I'll give
1: but- credit for it. I just wish they hadn't have given it away in the first 10 seconds of <laughs> <giving up. laughs>
0: no, Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, to be fair, the cover is Brett with the Intercontinental belt in his hand um, while Michaels is trying to get it off him. So, like, they gave away the uh, Intercontinental title.
1: They gave away both title match finishes before you've even started watching the video.
0: <laughs> they did that on mania dvds like for years as well if you opened it in the inside cover it would be like batista holding the belt like he just yeah. won anyway so yeah the match itself then saskatoon saskatchewan, saskatchewan in october 1992 uh wf title changes hands Bret hart beats rick flair now um, it's where, Bret
1: Hart, where Bret Hart's dad's from isn't it they make a point of saying that as well in the they interview. do and, and the, the, if
0: one thing I like about the Monsoon Alfred Hayes commentary team is that they will talk about old school
1: stuff when... Throw little factoids in there for the yeah. crack I like it
0: and one thing that people may not know about this is uh, Flair was suffering from vertigo at the time um, which is one of the reasons why they decided to get the belt off him in a bit of a hurry on a house uh,
1: show that's why he wasn't in the ladder match
0: <laughs> there you go. that, yeah. Nightmare, though, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and uh, one of the other stories coming out of the match on uh, it was either the Brett or Perfect documentary. Is that Brett dislocates his thumb in the match and then pops it back in, and then it cuts straight to Mr. Perfect going, ugh, that's horrible. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so um, really good match. And the crowd, it's, it's a big crowd. They're into it. And I don't think anyone for a second in that audience would have thought that Brett was going to be winning the title, especially when you see the Coliseum Video logo on the big screen. It wasn't like a Superstars of Challenge, you know, like it was going to be shown. They kept that for Coliseum Video. You know, uh, what,
1: I, you know what I thought when I watched this match?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I thought this... It's, it's one of those matches, unfortunately, where it's kind of like it, it's fallen on deaf ears. It's a world title match. It's a world title changing match. But it was still kind of like it wasn't deemed as such. Do you, do you see what I'm getting at? It was kind of like it had fallen from grace, the, the importance and magnitude of the fact that it wasn't even televised on a pay-per-view, for example. You know what I mean? That didn't help matters when it came to this. It was a title-changing match um, with who, with, with the, you know, it was going to the guy who they wanted to now be the face of the company for however long. Mm. and it, it wasn't seen that way. And when I watched this match, I thought, I couldn't help but think to myself, this would have so much more gravitas if it was in WCW at this moment in time. Like, Bret Hart could have played that Sting, pers- you know what I mean? That that sort of like that that Sting-sized character, if you like.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I'm not saying instead of Sting, I'm just using it as, a, as, a, as, a, as an example of, I believe that Ric Flair and Bret in 93, would have been far more over, or in, at the end of 92 even, would have been far more over in WCW at that moment in time, like in terms of the characters that they were and how they would have been presented, and how much more over they would have been because Flair wasn't over as the champion we, we know this, well, I loved him as a, as a character, but in nostalgic view I do, at the time
0: it's a weird fit for WWF. It didn't make any like, sense.
1: It was very yeah. NWA, WCW feel about it that mm-hmm. didn't work in WWF. It just didn't for me and a lot of people's eyes. And I just think that those two feuding in 92 for the championship belt would have, would have been absolute money. Because it's not—it's it's very similar to the whole Sting Babyface concept against the likes of Flair, for example. That was over. It was over, 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 and yeah, I just think—I just think that it was almost wasted on WWF.
0: I've—I've I've got to say, and I mean, Bruce Pritchard again brings this up because he was—he was there at the time, and whether you want to take what he says with a pinch of salt or not, I can kind of see the thinking of it that having a title change on—it wasn't a house show; it was a TV taping but having the title change out of nowhere, his thinking again, whether you want to believe it or not, was that it would up the, the sales for house show tickets. Cause you really never knew if there was going to be a title change or not. And I mean, it is crazy.
1: Uh, I know. Uh, I, I know. I think it's bollocks. I'm it's sorry. A, I think it's very rose tinted Let, Let's look at ways to justify actions. The reality was that flesh never have been the champion. Like, uh, yeah, but it who, didn't make who, sense who, for him to have become a champion. Who at,
0: would you
1: have mid-heel champion at 92? Well, oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was an easy task to do and an easy one to bring out. I just don't know if Flair was the answer because it didn't logically make sense. Um, but you're coming in from another company
0: as... A world champion, literally, yeah, but, as the world champion, a lot of people,
1: including myself, had no idea what that other company was or what they were on about. Why a belt was pixelated, I didn't have a clue, I didn't follow WCW I have any idea about what it was yeah, about. As a fan, I've got to, which, s- know, I've got
0: to say, though, say early, though, w- early WWF, during his run, they did make a point to say that he brought it in from another company. Like, the um... they
1: went out of the way to say it, but it still made no difference to me. I'm still like, Who are you? You look really old, you look really small. Uh, and I'm used to massive giant massive dudes as the champion and i'm not trying to i'm not trying to be a dick by that I'm just trying to visualize it from the point of when I was seven or eight watching it mm-hmm. and and that that's what that's all i mean really it's like it was this weird transition to a quite a small old looking man who is now the world champion and and then all of a sudden he loses that to Brett. On a non pay per viewer television. It just all seemed a bit like n- not very important. And I'm it was a shame. Because obviously I, I ended up I became I was a big fan of Brett when he was the champion. Mm-hmm. Um but I just think that transition of it all didn't really it didn't grab me okay. as a kid and too, uh, you know, that I was the fan at the time. I was you got you gotta
0: bear in mind kids. though. We talked about this earlier on in the in the in the review, and we talked about it when we reviewed the Sicker album as well that it was the epitome of a trans, uh, transitional time, and also they had to deal with losing a lot of names at that point.
1: Absolutely and, agree. I just don't yeah. think that they managed it very well. They did. I I just still. I can't yeah, but do you not think though that.
0: that they had to act spur of the moment? They had to just do whatever they thought. Was going to work, oh, and some absolutely,
1: those, absolutely, they had know. to throw shit at the wall and see what stuck. And I just don't think that this worked. Um, it's not a criticism on them for trying it. I don't mean it like that. They had to try it. In what did. sense, though? Like I in terms of that, the fact that they did it non televised. In the fact of the, in the sense of the fact that I don't believe that Flair was over as I think that they would have hoped he would have been. And he not and I agree
0: because the. And then go him as
1: a champion, and then Brett suddenly, and then Brett winning the belt off him in a completely. Lackluster way, like oh, I tele- televised like look, it's great in retrospect now that we can go back and and have commentary about it. But at the time, all of a sudden, the next day, you know, the way that we were able to access to his back then, all of a sudden, Bret Hart's now the champion. Apparently, he's beating that old man, Ric Flair. Like it didn't. I think you
0: put a lot of emphasis on the fact that he was. He was never portrayed. Well, no, but he was never like, he, didn't look, he didn't look older than Savage Or Hogan, in he my did.
1: opinion He did, because he wasn't cut to smithereens Like either of them, he didn't look like a monster He didn't look like this huge physical specimen He was like, you know Slightly He looked like a, a, a Well-trimmed Over 40-year-old man he didn't look like a, a WWF monster. And I'm not saying that that's, again, that's not even a criticism on him or WWF. It's just a massive change and shift as to what you meant to uh, now take as your world I champion know, after having I, Hogan and Warrior and the likes on top for so long. I agree. But I think this, like, dude with white hair who hasn't, who's barely been in the company. I didn't know him from Toffee Apple before yeah, but that. I didn't watch better... WA, WCW before that. Then all of a sudden he's there. He's the champion. Oh, and now he's on top. He's beat Savage. It was a really fun storyline with him, but I still like, who is he? What's he all about? And then he loses the belt to Brett. And, but that wasn't even on the telly. And you just got to, and we've got to accept that. And it was just, it's just, I just think uh, all I'm getting at is that I think that the way that WCW portrayed the likes of Flair and guys like Sting and people of that magnitude, I think that Brett and Flair would have fit the mold that WCW were pushing in 92 better than w- them than how it fit in WWF in 92 oh it was it was very if you get what i mean by it, that. it was but the of it but was...
0: the thing the thing is as well though that like you know you're speaking from only your point of view like What's this it? was the first time that WWF really put faith in the fact that wrestling fans knew who someone was outside of their own company. Because, I mean, when Harley Race showed up, they were like, oh, this newcomer, Harley Race, you know what I mean? And like then you this could put was...
1: the emphasis on the fact of, oh, yeah, they put faith in it, but not faith enough to actually put it on television. Like, it was, I don't know, man. There was something, it just smelled, it was weird. It was, like, look, uh, it's not even just them two. If you're dropping the world title to somebody and it's not on television, that stinks for to me as a fan. I've... F- I, I do agree, but at the same time,
0: I think they took advantage of the fact that it was in Saskatoon and it got the huge reaction that it may not have gotten over arenas uh, where yeah. flair may have been more over, like Madison Square
1: Garden or whatever. Um, Televise it, man, make it a special event, like a Tuesday night in Texas or oh, something. Make, yeah. make a fuss out of the fact that there's going to be a title change at the very least. It this doesn't have so- to be Mania. Just make but, you know, it's it's a title change. Televise it and some but, description. I. I I kind of okay. We will get off this, but like, <laughs> like the I see the I you're setting up your next this. champion, setting up your next face champion. This Before should have Brett, yeah. you need to give him the proper win. You need to like they set him off. Like they set him off on the on a back foot. Make a fuss out of the fact that he's winning the belt. Have loads of hawky porkery from even perfect trying to get involved and in things like that, and overcoming the odds, and then winning the belt and like to a champion's like like he's finally done it. He's finally he's done it. I can't believe that after waiting for so long, after being the IC champion for so long, and then nah, there was nout. It was a solid twenty-five minute match. Uh, that really had no fanfare about it whatsoever. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think on Brett- the show, it's like if you watch that back, it, there wasn't fanfare there. He got a cheer from the crowd. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but they didn't make a fuss. Like the fact that there wasn't even proper commentary. It was just like, "Oh, well done." It, well, you yes, know, <laughs> we've, got, okay. we've got, we've got, we've got, the commentary team that we've been mocking all night. Yeah, um, calling it. That's how we're only. That's our only reference point. We've got them two. Nice uh, one. Nice one, son. Well done. Um, now, it's running outside, you know what I mean? It was just like everything about that title change to me was shit, apart from the actual match itself. And <laughs> I. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a big part of it, to be fair. I mean. Oh, I mean, the presentation. That's what I'm getting oh, yeah. at. Like, well, the, the, the thing is, the, about the- it, you know, you wouldn't ever. It's very, very, very rare, uh, you know, not excluding diesel backland seven nine seconds title change mm-hmm. it's very rare you'd expect a champion to drop the belt like that especially at the magnitude that they were pushing what they wanted brett to be they were trying to make him the next face man you know the the next main draw the next big thing um he was over with the kids he was you know he'd give his shades out to the bends at ringside he was over with teenage girls he was selling a shitload of merch People loved and respected him. He was a great wrestler. Um, but they set him off on the back foot by not letting them win the belt properly. That's, it, it felt like it didn't win the belt properly. It felt like he was just giving the belt. Oh, there you go. I
0: the, I feel that there were probably extenuating circumstances. Now, Flair's vertigo could have been a part of that, to be it's fair. It's a shit
1: excuse, though, isn't it? <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> it is I
1: mean, well,
0: the one thing I would say is, I think the, the, the videos showing of the match, the one thing it misses out, which... Don't because the thing is that week on WWF T V they covered nothing but Brett winning the title, as they should.
1: It massively um, it massively lost a lot of it was an uphill battle when you don't have properly good quality live commentary going with it. Oh I agree with that.
0: Like Do you know what, what I mean? It,
1: that's what yeah. I'm getting at by the presentation. You know, it wasn't on TV. They had overdubbed post commentary by two people who couldn't really be asked, let's be honest. and um, and it was just i don't know i just thought it's the start of his inevitable run and his run gets enough stick as it is and it's a shame that it gets the stick that it does because it wasn't as bad as people make out it's just i think it was on the back foot because of the way that they the, the title changed hands that's my honest opinion
0: but again though i think that the this was probably around the time that like you know, the survivor series card changed heavily you know on a dime because like you know Bulldog was gone warrior was gone uh, so they had to yeah. turn perfect they had to turn perfect against flair which is why I think Flair and Brett probably would have had more matches I mean I believe- I'm not,
1: I'm not I'm not having a having a knock at Brett versus Flair as a concept it's it's how they presented Brett versus flair that I've got the issue with not Brett versus Flair I love Brett versus Flair as a concept I love the idea of having that feud it's just that they didn't present it like it could have been presented. Again, as a kid, I didn't really know who Flair was or his background was, but if he would have presented it and put the title change on a thing and and, and give it the same hype that they give the bloody Flair versus Savage run, why wouldn't you do that for a title change with with Brett?
0: I mean, bear in mind, though, the Flair Savage, the the second title change, happened on an episode of Superstars.
1: Aye, but the whole storyline was magnitude.
0: That's the thing, though. This wasn't... I, I just feel like, again, this is why this was like, not spur of the moment, but they had to really go, right, what we're going to do, let's do it now. Um, you know, the, it didn't really, the 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 matches that came out of Bretton Flair, like the Ironman match that they had on a house show, I really, I do partly think that this was a thing to partly boost house shows, that you know, oh, right against- well, I
1: know that they had to at the time. Obviously, there'd been a major dip and things like that, yeah. But, but again, all right, fair enough. That's 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 fine. I, I I appreciate that methodology. It's just as a kid watching it, that's mm. I couldn't give a shit about that. I want to see <laughs> what I want to see. I, I want to see what you've been giving me for the last 10 years of me watching it or whatever. Well, not, not 10 years, but the last five years of me watching it, which is big, massive, huge guys who are fighting for the belts. I know, but fair enough. This I, this I don't have the big class of huge guys. That's fair enough. But at least let me watch it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this was, this was ninety two, the height of the Royd scandal, though. I get
1: it, I, I get it, and that's fine. This, so at I, least let me watch it on TV <laughs> with commentary <laughs> okay. and not in a video with the bushwhackers and often Hayes <laughs> talking about fucking electrocution in each other. And <laughs> five months, five months after <laughs> that, months later, movie. with two guys in commentary who couldn't be asked to be there. It's but kind it's, of weird it's, because, it's like Brett.
0: And Flair did have a run-in on an episode of Superstars where Brett's getting interviewed, then Flair comes out, and then Razor and Bobby Heenan even comes out. And then um, I think Savage uh, helps Brett fight them off. But as was the case with a lot of things that happened on Superstars at the time before Raw changed the game, um, they were building up stuff for house shows. That's what they were doing at that point.
1: Like it doesn't, tr- I, did, I did. I'd say what I will say is, um, perfect at the end, the way he looked at Brett as if to say, You piece of shit, yeah, I'm gonna have you. Well, I God. really, really, really wish at that moment in time that we'd have got a proper world championship program out of Brett and perfect, like that would have been class. And we, we, we're used to them, they're used to each other, we're used to that feud, but the idea that they. Just the, that snippet of him looking at him as if to say, "All right, I'll, I've got your number, mate. I'll have you next time." It was that look on his face, as if to say, "I'll get here. And unfortunately, we obviously never got anything like that. Um, but the idea, just just, I wasn't thinking that at the time. It was just rewatching it recently, where I thought that would have been gold. And it's such, what like, what was the situation with 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 Perfect not wrestling at that moment in time? Was it was it voluntary? He wanted to go into partial retirement, he and then obviously. He was He's catching on this, um,
0: no, he was cashing in on his uh, Cashing in on his Lords of London Of oh, course at that's that point.
1: Yeah, of course That's right Sit back, keep quiet And then um, Do play, a the rest- play, a, play a big wrestler boys for Ted Later on down the line Yeah And then he came out of WWE in 2002 And was put on matches with RVT Yeah <laughs> Pretty, look um, anyway because i think we right, probably
0: yeah. went over talking about brett and flair because i mean i think we could go on about it for a very yeah. long time so you would think that would be the way to end the tape but <laughs> no um we got into the a cold match that no one really gives a shit about let's face it with Razor ramon in his very early run um against the undertaker because he's wearing full purple which he didn't wear you know and you know after is my, his my favorite
1: years. my favorite um Razor Ramon look my favorite Razor Ramon attire that 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 purple I, I just it just i love it i just think he looks mint in that purple he just pops so much
2: yeah.
1: um against undertaker in my favorite version of the undertaker this comes from
0: Beaumont Texas in January 93 so it's probably the most recent match on the entire tape this is the third different match between the two uh, to yeah. take place on uh, videos um, so and they're all from the same era as well. So and we'll be getting into those other matches on uh other tapes. This match is kind of it, it it if this was if the entire tape was a house show or TV taping, a live show, like a Saturday night's main event, this would be the match that they put on because they've still got five minutes left. Um, you know what I mean? And they'd just yeah. like fill up the time until they had to go off air. And it it just it is what it is, I mean, there's two big lads with athleticism. Um, because you know, the, the previous couple of years of like you're nothing against them but your warlords, etc., these yeah. were like people who could go against each other. And I think Undertaker was generally probably grateful to have someone like Scott Hall to yeah. have matches with at this point. Absolutely.
1: Um, and Guerrilla uh, Gorilla was on form as well for this one, I may add. Um, he was on form for it, you know, straight away off the bat. Take a look at the bad man. <laughs> and, um, Gorilla Monsoon's quote of uh, that famous Razor Ramon saying take a look at the bad man and also oozing some of the machismo well, and he would... did both of those in Reza Ramon voices excellent <laughs> well the thing is as well
0: um, that you know this is the third match on, and not necessarily the third match in a series or whatever because they probably did this match on a house show loop Um, right. by this point so they had the same spots etc. Nothing wrong with that. It, it's a bit crazy that they would put it on three different tapes and not mention it as like maybe a best of three or something like that. Um, you know, give you a reason to like maybe buy another tape or something like that. But uh, yeah. so the end the match ends on Razor buggering off um in Indeed. a and take a wins by counter because you're not gonna have razor be pinned this early on. Uh, especially when they're building up to like a title match against Brett. Um it, it's just it's it seems like an odd ending to a tape that builds up to these two tremendous matches with Brett against Michaels and Flair, and then all of a sudden Razor and Take. And I guess maybe it's because they didn't want Ric Flair, who was in WCW by this point, headlining a WWF video. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what do you think?
1: I really um, it, it encapsulated Razor really well as he was going through that whole period of time where. If he had if he was a bit fed up of being on the on the battering end of a match where he was getting his head kicked in or he was he doesn't know if he would do that whole hand nah I'm not having any of that and then gets out and walks out and walks up the aisle holding like his head or something like that and he's quite happy to 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 throw the match for a for a, a count out against him um it was kind of part of his gimmick at this point to do that if he found yeah. his opposition was too tough, which I quite enjoyed. I think it added to his character really well. Not often you'd say that for a count-out. Um, you got a bear mind to be as honest, well that
0: this is the main event of this tape. It's not the main event of that night. Otherwise, it would have
1: Just a bit. Um, <laughs> See you later. Chris is gone. See you later. Bye. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pretend that they've decided that the main event is like in the olden days where the middle match is the main event <laughs> um, and then it's the wind down. Um, but no, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's a throwaway match. It's out and out. It's two guys. It's almost like, um, you know, when you could pick when fans could pick where it was obviously pretend, they couldn't really pick who goes against who, but where the whole concept of where fans get to pick who uh, the opponent is and things like that, um, it felt a bit like that. It was one of those kind of matches. Oh, let's pick The Undertaker. Oh, and let's randomly pick Reza Ramon. It was, it it didn't, it didn't do anything for me other than it was just nice to see those two lads wrestle. <laughs> like,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And and adds a bit of star power to the yeah. tape as well. Yeah. And yeah. Th- That's when they like, needed it, let's be honest. Well, they do it else. I'll watch loads, I mean, I I spend my life watching loads of throwaway WF matches from 1993. If it's in the context of a card where there's a superb main event that's building towards, that's just the undercard, that's fine. But if it's like, say something like, uh, which we'll get onto at some point, I'm sure UK Rampage 93, which, I mean, it should be the most me event ever, but like, fuck me, did they not use any names on that yeah. show. you know what
1: I mean? Or the, like none of the matches meant anything or whatever. But um this one was it was it did what it needed to do and it was it was good back and forth between the two. Yeah. Um Undertaker rough handle and razor razor's facial expressions just to say what have I got myself into here. Um it, it you know his kind of cocky, suave character um meeting you know the dead man, and it was a it was at a point in time as well where Taker's expressions. I think he'd 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 hit the pinnacle with them. He was very good with he'd spent the first year or two crafting that character, and I think late '92, um, going into '93 is where he just he smashed it. I think he absolutely smashed it. Little things like uh, Choke and razor in the corner, whilst. His hand, whilst Undertaker's hand's on the top rope, for example, for a little bit of leverage to get that choke in a bit further. Yeah. His eyes are in the back of his head. His face is drawn down. He's not even looking at Razor. He's looking away from him as if to say, I need more power and more strength to do this. And his left arm that's holding the ropes is actually shaking ever so slightly as if to say, I'm putting everything into this. And then he lets go because uh, of the count. And he, and he walks away and Razor's raises, raises expression in his face to being choked as if to say oh my god where am I what am I doing here mm-hmm. just little bits like that was brilliant like you know just little th- subtleties and th- where and th- it worked so so well and both characters bounced off each other well it's just um, it was just again a strange video tape to be on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're, you're following one of the biggest matches of the year. Well, it was because, you know, Brett has beaten, well, Brett's becoming the champion um, in a really weird exclusive home video match. And you're now the match after that. If it had been yeah. earlier on the tape, it probably would have been a better rec- received match from a viewer watching this tape. It's just that how do you top, as you said before, the world championship match that's on second from last.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No. Which follows
1: a really good ladder match. It's crazy. Well the thing is they
0: never ended videos with profiles. Profiles always ended up like halfway through the tape, whatever. I mean, you know, granted the profiles never included world title changes. You know, but um
1: it's it's mad. Like the whole tape's just mad. It's mad. I've got to say that
0: like, you know the I didn't like that they kept going back to the Bushwhackers and Alfred Taze. If they did have done it as a one-off segment at the start of the tape, or half of Yeah, through the
1: that day. was for 30 seconds, then yeah. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could at least have fast-forwarded it. But Ken, no, it's... Gene Oakland added some kind
0: of gravitas to hosting these videos that Alfred Hayes and Sean Mooney couldn't do because they were Coliseum or whoever made the videos or whoever directed them were intent in putting them in comedy situations. Whereas it's not
1: like they didn't have Monsoon, I know, Monsoon was there for that interview. Like, just let (laughs) Monsoon do something, like like he used to do back in the day with with Brain. Just let Monsoon do something where he's talking to different people and doing different shit, even on his own. It would be a million, even him and Hayes. doing just something sat on chairs. together just sat talking on shit about anything you well, know that's I mean? the sat on chairs they went out of their way to do
0: this bushwhacker thing when they could have just had them just sat on chairs, they probably just thought it wasn't going to be exciting enough <laughs> that there was a title change in a right. freaking ladder match, so obviously you've got to all the people want,
1: you don't need to. They, they, <laughs> they put too much in, again it was typical of 92 WWF let's throw shit at the wall and see what works Um and that the pretend comedy concept of Hayes and the Bushwhackers, it, you know, after the first clip, you, you were bored of it. And even as a kid, it was like, I don't know, it's probably funny the first time you watch it a bit. Then,
0: it was unintentionally funny when we watched it because we knew they were just taking the piss and they were probably drunk.
1: When
0: Butch looks at the camera so many times because he doesn't know what he's going to say next, but he knows the yeah. words are all coming at in one go tripping over themselves from out of the <laughs> so he has to slow himself down so by doing that he kind of looks at the camera and you know like sort of stares into your soul it's kind of like a weird <laughs> thing so like so yeah no so anyway because we could go on forever with this and we've went on about the length of the actual tape <laughs>
1: we've gone longer we've officially now gone longer than the, the length of the video tape
0: <laughs> but this is what you're going to get with co-video 1990s you know don't um,
1: tell them that they won't come back <laughs>
0: Well, to be fair, though, this was a good place to start. It included two huge matches, the likes of which you didn't really see generally as Coliseum video exclusives. Um, It was, I mean, probably a selling point for a lot of people, especially footage collectors as well, who wanted title changes, all that kind of stuff, unless there was a fan cam, which I don't think there was. Um, So, yeah, no, it's... um, it 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 says it all though when Flair versus Brett isn't advertised on the back of the tape. I mean Flair's match is mentioned, like battles with Flair in a tiny box in the corner.
1: But... Oh, and yeah, yeah, and just in case you weren't, it was mentioned in the first ten seconds. I just want to reiterate that <laughs> Alfred Hayes first ten seconds gives away the title change. I think you've it's got so... to wait an hour and twenty minutes until it's shown. But he mentions this, it. This is true, but I think it's a a, a subtle way of them trying
0: to bury the WCW talent. I think, you know, you saw it a lot, especially when wrestlers were on the way out. I mean, you saw it with Haku and Harley Race at Rumble 89. Harley was on his way out, so Monsoon was putting in slight jibes about how he was smaller, how he couldn't overpower Haku, how he was a bit past it and stuff like that. It's just what they did. They made whoever was leaving or whoever was gone by that point look really weak, but it's really and we'll get into this on future tapes as well. But I mean, they used flare matches a long time after he left because Dude. Jim Ross didn't appear until Mania Nine. But there are videos of him commentating on flare matches in WWF, which is uh, mental because Flair was gone by late January. Um. So yeah. So overall, SmackDown, what do you think?
1: This could be the whole podcast. I think I'm going to need an hour of review here to be able to <laughs> to uh, work through my, my emotions and feelings from this one. I'm exhausted. Um, I'm going to to quote Butch, right, when he was speaking. Alfred, Hayes after they did the whole safety first. Alfred, safety first, mate. Crack. Mm-hmm. Butch randomly off the cuff, you said to Alfred, "Give us some ideas." <laughs> that. That epitomizes my thoughts on this entire VHS. Give us some ideas. I don't know what to take from it. There were some blinding matches, some great bits, some absolute nonsensory. I loved the Yokozuna bit. I thought both uh, Brett's main uh, title matches against Sean and Rick were both fantastic. A couple of just, you know, fun throwaway undercard matches um, such as the the Berserker and Crush match. Um... And the the final match as well versus Taker and Razor, if they'd have been earlier on in the card earlier on as if you were building up the card and that was your mid-card matches, it yeah. would have made sense. Far too much of Alfred Hayes and the Bushwhackers bullshit. Um, obviously as a kid, would have probably loved it the first time I watched it, then would have fast-forwarded it after that first time. Um, it ended with an explosion which tells you everything you need to know. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Alfred Hage did come back the following video. <laughs> that was, that, that, I'm joking. I love Alfred and the Bushwhackers are great comedy value. It's just that it was a bit overkill in this video. And the video, it was it was all over the place in terms of uh, an edit. An edited video was all over the place, which, it was just, what, if nothing else, keeps it fresh.
0: <laughs> I know. It was just, it was Colosseum at the height of, mental Colosseum videos yeah. like they I couldn't just they couldn't just sell it based on matches yeah. it had to be bushwhackers doing diy or bowling with kamala or whatever you know it just it's just what it was and yeah. at least they stayed in character they were very good at keeping things in character for these kind of things so um anyway
1: on that note
0: yes let's uh, so- off
1: here. we're on the two hour mark Amazing, we'll be going stretch oh, yourself yeah. for two hours. Yeah. Um, so if you've stuck with us for this long, thank you so so much. Um, please go and seek help. Um, <laughs> we will be back with more of these Colosseum home video reviews.
0: If you, AKA, like clo- if
1: you like clotheslines, body slams, <laughs> and core video is what you're after. <laughs> this has been episode one of core video. 1990s Mm -hmm. thank you very 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 much Pablo Madea we will uh, catch up with everybody very very soon and please don't hesitate to head over to bbgwrestling.com for more